Look at you twiddling your moustache. It's just so twiddly. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do with this nonsense all over my face? Get it waxed. Hey, boomers. Welcome once again to another episode of Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly stagational guide to the world of... Oh, I f***ed it up. Oh, you've got my head, man. You've got my head with all your chat about how I get it right every time. I've been corrupting you from the inside. Mm. Your fortnightly guide to the Sega... No, what the f*** is it? Oh, no, you've totally got it in my head. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Hang on. Give us Remember, there's no wacky world involved. No, I know. That's what's happening. <laughs> your Sega Stational Guide to the World of the UK's official Sega comic. We are, as always, the humes who think we are in charge. My name is Chris McFeeling. And my name is Dave Bulmer, and this is issue number 46. Cover dated the 3rd of March 1995. But released on February the 18th. 46! I was getting ready to read this one, and I was like, what issue are we up to again? 42, is it? 43? And no, we're, we're even further past that again. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's really slipping away, isn't it? It's going to be 50 by the time you've gathered your thoughts, you know? I know, the summer will come round and the second birthday will be there soon after that. Yes. <laughs> well, that just means that we are rolling along nicely with this podcast. It seems to be doing all right, isn't it? We've got people are listening to it. People are joining in with the Patreon. Thanks, everybody. You're helping us along a lot. And you're getting free stuff. If you want to go and have a look at that, details at the end. <laughs> what we'd love to do is give you a sweetie, and we can't. But STC could, oh, back in 1995. Yes, this, is, this is it. It's another free gift issue. Yeah. Oh. Described here as free Sonic Spinball Sweets. And, of course, most copies of the comic will uh, have a big red arrow pointing down to the phrase, Sweeties missing. If it's not because you've eaten them, inform your newsagent. This copy here has... The remnants of the packet still sellotaped to the front cover. You will remember when we posted on Twitter Dave's copy of the Pastel Day issue, yes. which still had the fruit pastel wrapper still stuck to the cover. Um, because, yeah, last issue, we looked at the announcement we were going to get some free Sonic Spinball Suites, didn't know what they were. This is another one of those things. This happens every so often with this podcast and this comic, is that, like the Triple Decker-saurus, there's yeah. no <laughs> reference to this existing anywhere on the internet yes like there's records of sonic the comic that know there were free spinball sweets with it because that's what it says yeah but we don't know what they were and dave has the biggest clue to this well yes i have this little bit of wrapper and what we're looking at is clearly what i've done is i have eaten the sweets you know taking them out of the packet with it on the front of the comic but at some point i've got sick of that i've torn it off and i've left because i don't want to tear the in fact there's the telltale evidence that i started trying to take the tape to off peel the tape and stopped yourself yeah. but it just started to rip on the underside so the top side remains exactly where it was on the shelf and i've torn the wrapper in half so all i've got is the amount of wrapper that was underneath the sellotape and from this we can ascertain a couple of things number one it says rat R-R-A-T-T, -T, which means that it was made by Barrett. Now, those are the people who made another suite, which I think this reminds me of. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, they made a great many suites. They're a big Indeed. suite company, and they still make Indeed. suites today. They haven't gone anywhere. But, no. yeah. They're the people who made things like Dip Dab, aren't they? Oh, yeah, Dip Dab, a Sherbet mm. Fountain, Refreshers, many Fruit other Fruit salads, yeah. Also, we can see from this that the foil inside the wrapper was blue. Blue foil for, blue Sonic. for Sonic. Good, good touch. And the flavour here was Fizzy Cola with a K. Because it was the 90s. Because it was the 90s. And it was that, and the general shape and size of the wrapper that I'm looking at, that made me think, were these a reskin 
of and then i had to take to twitter because i couldn't remember what they were called i just knew there were these sweets you could get that were small rat like half a pastel small round kind of hard kind of chewy maybe with sugar on the outside and had the name of something else such Hmm. that conversation about it on the playground was made difficult and it turns out what i was thinking of was frosties which did come in cola flavor and that flavor was red i ate a lot of frosties back in the day because they were cheap Uh, they're only 10p for a packet they were small packets small sweets little hard fat little cylinders you know their height was greater than their proportionate circumference if you're thinking about a pastel is <laughs> quite flattish a frosty mm. was narrower but taller yes imagine two pastels stacked they had the sugar coating on the outside and they were a crunchy sweet with a chewy inside that's right that's what i didn't remember i thought that they were just like tough chewy sweets like a tougher fruit gum no they had a shell and a chewy inside mm-hmm. oh weren't they nice and then we looked it up and it turns out they don't make them anymore yeah I'm so sad about that we were thinking about maybe getting some yes. and doing like uh i mean we don't know for sure that that's what these sweets were no because you've got a memory we're recording this in january and i'm off sweeties for january so i, I would only oh. have been i couldn't have anyway so never mind um, be good. <laughs> but, you couldn't even have done it for work not it's not like where you can write it off on your taxes <laughs> yeah a 10p packet of frosties would really make a dent in the old taxes <laughs> no what i mean is you can write those sweets off on your diet <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i think that's, that's how calories work all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no i i'm not sure if they were frosties mm. they might have been but that sparked a memory of me the cola idea and i think they might have been like cola sherbets like a right. strawberry or a lemon type a boiled sweet in more of a disc shape with a sherbet yeah. inside i don't know why i think that it just sort of sparked a memory could be either one of those if you have any memories of which one you think these were because as we say the internet doesn't. There's no such thing as a sonic spinball suite if you Google that. Chris? Hmm? I've found them. I'll flip. <laughs> I took to the internet based on the new research that we had here because there's nothing to be found about these sweets if you type in, you know, spinball sweets or sonic sweets or whatever. You'll never find it. But now we know that they're made by Barrett because of this little scrap of paper here on my front cover. And I looked it up and sure enough, there is a post on Twitter by Sonic the Hedge blog, which shows a full, I mean, it doesn't even look like a scan, like it's so complete. It almost looks like it's from the official files or something. <laughs> it Were it not for the uh, best before date of 20th of August 95 stamped on there, a full scan of the pack in which you can see pictures of the sweets themselves. They're much closer to what Chris was remembering than what I was remembering or what I was guessing. How would you describe these? They're like... Well, I mean, you see, we'll say refreshers, but then the international yes. audience probably won't... Uh, a uh, tablet sweet, like a little fizzy a like sweet. a little fizzy candy. Yes. No, they're not really anything like what... Just size and shape-wise is really the only similarity to, to what I'm remembering. Now I'm curious as to what I was remembering, because what I'm remembering was tasty. But yeah, no, these are just like little cola... Fizzy sweets, fizzy tablets. Fizzy tablet. Like, so a refresher tablet was a... Oh, um, no, you can still get refreshers. Present tense, please, David. <laughs> okay, refreshers are a tube of sweet... What do you call it when it's like a pack of pastels, like the roll of sweets? The roll tube of pack. tube, a packet, yeah. Yeah, you know, so just a load of the sweets stacked up with paper wrapped around them, basically, and foil and then paper. Well, and they were concave on both sides, very slightly. Mm-hmm. They were about the size of a coin... Imagine an antacid tablet, except yeah, yeah. a sweet. But tasty. And it's just nice, and then you eat it, and it's nice. These are that, except they're red, they're cola flavour, which is unusual for that sort of sweet, mm-hmm. and they have stamped onto them 
a design of Sonic in a spin attack in the little concave dip. That's what they appear to be. And uh, what a good idea. Bring them back. I would like to eat those now. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, if you found an old packet of them, they'd probably still be fine to eat. Probably. I, I don't mean, know what's going to go bad in there. Let's have a look. you got sugar, sodium bicarbonate, mutate. Yeah, it's basically just... It's just compressed sugar. It's sugar, sodium bicarbonate, and whatever you need to stick those things together. Water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could probably dissolve refreshers in water, couldn't you? They wouldn't fizz like an antacid tablet. No, they'd no. just clump up, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. They're just fizzy. They don't actually pop and sparkle when you eat them. But if you eat a bunch of them and then maybe swig some Coke afterwards, you're going to know from fizzing up in your tum-tum. I remember for a very brief period there was an alternate type of refresher tablet you could get which didn't have the concave bit it was very strange they were a bit bigger they were a bit thicker like those um extra strong mints you know those oh yeah yeah can't remember bigger refreshers then except these were more refreshersy flavored and what they were were they were super ted brand spotty man spots <laughs> I only I only had them like once or twice, sometime mid eighties. They're quite nice. I was always confused about how there was two different types of sweets called a refresher. I know, you know, you had the refresher, the refresher tablets. tablets, and then the refresher bars, yes. which were by Swizzles, weren't they? Swizzles Matlock were they Barrett? I think right. Well, that because I discovered the refresher bar much later than I knew about refreshers, which I grew up with. Oh, other way around for me. Right, really. Because to me, the refresher bar is like nostalgic of this era. Basically of the, I now take the school bus myself and have change and can nip into the shop. And can buy a sweetie when no one is there to tell me yes. no. <laughs> yes, exactly. Era, yeah. And, you could, and what you could get, because in those days, oh, oh, listeners, in those oh, days, in you those could days. get, do you know what they were even called? They were called Penny, Penny sweets. sweets, is what they were called. <laughs> oh. And you could mix match them. You could be like, right, shopkeep, I shall have, you know, two fizzy cola bottles, two fizzy cherry. I'll have a Because ref refreshers, the bar of it was also still available, mm -hmm. a lemon-flavoured chew bar. With a sherbet centre. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to go and get some. Well, I'm not going to go. I'm no, going to have to sit here and attempt to get some. Put them on your some. list, yeah. <laughs> but you could also get, in the Penny Sweets area... You could get... Little tiny ones. I think they were 2p. Yeah, those ones would have been 2p. Those were bigger, yeah. Yeah, but they were little refresher chews, you know. We had a little sweet shop up the road from my primary school. Well, I've got two stories, and I'll tell Go them on, both, and you can tell about a, the editing. It's a sweetie sort of issue, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a sweetie issue. We haven't <laughs> even got past the cover yet. Um, <laughs> okay, so one story, which I remember... Uh, He's just going to make up the other one as you go along. No, no, the other one is a second-hand one. <laughs> oh, right. Mom tells. We were each given twenty p to go to the shop, and though you could, you could have sweets for twenty p. Oh in yeah, the, in that's plenty, days. plenty p. This is a pre-STC era. You know, we're talking. Uh, if I'm old enough yeah. to remember, you're going to be like ninety, very early nineties, maybe. Yeah, and with twenty p anyway, and we did all, all me and my brothers, we did love cola pips. You know, yeah. little tiny ones that weren't sold by uh, pennies, but by weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, proper old school uh, scale in a sweet shop type stuff. Yeah. And all my brothers went up and got 20 peas worth of cola pips. Little crunchy boiled sweets, fizzy I food. remember them well. Yeah. Beautiful things. And they trooped back to the car to wait for mommy while I... If I remember the shape of a pip, wasn't it like... 
essentially a ball, but mm. maybe with a dent in one side and with absolutely no attention given to getting them cleanly off the sheet. So there was like ripples around. That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think they had a kind of a fizzy coating on these ones anyway. So mm, yeah. uh, wouldn't have, let's be honest. I wasn't examining them that closely no, as I showed them They were just getting poured in. Yeah. But I didn't just want to spend all of my 20p on cola pips, you know. No, no. And I hem and I haw for a really long time about <laughs> yeah, this, you know. It mattered. But in the end, I settle on... 10p worth of cola pips and then i buy a 10p bag of crisps you remember 10p crisps yeah no i don't know if you would have had these particular i can even remember the type of crisp (laughs) and it's a very irish sounding crisp name it was called ghosties oh no i'm not familiar (laughs) and uh, there were bacon flavor corn snacks you know in the shape of ghosties yeah well notionally little blobs but yeah right. you know with maybe a notion towards a little face being dented yeah. into them so anyway i come back down to the car to be with the other brothers and the outrage that i had somehow <laughs> procured two things there was no understanding of the fact that i had half as many cola pips as everyone else the sheer outrage he's got two things i want more <laughs> Oh, you could have just thought it through, lads. Now, the other story, this is one (laughs) my mum tells, where we were being picked up from school by our uh, babysitter, and my granny and granda were there as well, and my granny wanted to take us up to the shop to get some sweets. But the babysitter was under instructions that we were not to have sweets before dinner. A perfectly understandable rule to have, you know. Granny did not take this well. Granny did not take being told no by, air quotes, the help, well, at all. (laughs) Granny came around to the house that evening (laughs) to take up the issue with my mother. (laughs) My granddad came along (laughs) as well and was just sort of sat in the corner. (laughs) He was not not all in on this argument. (laughs) Mummy explains to Granny, she says... Well, I don't let the children have sweets before dinner. And Granny whips around on Grandad, who's sitting there in the corner, just minding his own business, not paying attention, probably reading the paper or something. And says, did you hear that, Kieran? She doesn't let the children have sweets before dinner. And Grandad goes, oh, uh, quite right too, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the death glare that ensued (laughs) as a response from a gentleman who had not been paying attention to the conversation was immediately followed with, but I suppose that a few seats now and then wouldn't hurt. (laughs) Oh dear. Oh dear, Grandad. Should have sat in the car. (laughs) So what else is on the cover of this issue then? (laughs) Yeah, so that's on there. Also, Shorty goes nuts. The Cybernick fights back. And that is the illustration. It's, uh, It's quite an interesting one because it's Shorty from last issue, but he is... Half and half like a Terminator, mm. isn't he? But not like a Terminator because that was that half of his skin was ripped off. This is just showing you his dual personalities because half of him is the robot cybernic shell, not really designed to fit around his head. His head's slightly... The unadorned squirrel side of him is bigger and wouldn't fit inside. But whatever, we get it. <laughs> In universe, I'm sure it's larger. It's an abstract image, you know. <laughs> it is indeed, yes. You can hear that, can't you? Yeah, sorry listeners who are sensitive to little noises. Um, I accidentally set a stop... Let me stop this now. Yeah, when we were recording this, I accidentally set a little stopwatch going on my phone 
So, and you can hear it in the background. It's picked up by the microphone. Don't worry, it only lasts a couple of minutes. I quickly notice and switch it off, but that's what that sound is in the background. It cannot be edited out. We've switched it off whenever I'm not talking, but you'll be able to hear it when I am, so it won't last long. Sorry. And then in the background, yeah, we've got Robotnik roaring towards them with the arms up in the air. Arms up, because he's cross. He's in his egomatic. I think this is one for the spreadsheet, you know. This is what we've got to be watching out for now, is whenever an artist doesn't know where to put Dr. Robotnik's arms on like a cover or a poster. They just stop going, <laughs> waving him in the air. But what he has done is he's replicated, and we'll talk about this more later, he's replicated the particular egomatic that Robotnik will be in in the strip, which is a bespoke one, I believe. I think so, yeah. It's quite an interesting one, so we'll talk about that later. And then also it says, plus Streets of Rage, Marco's Magic Football, Sonic Pinup. Whee! The little bar across the top is the red and black Dennis the Menace bar. It feels a little scant, this issue. You know, 115, yeah. 3rd of March, number 46, UK's official Sega comic, every fortnight, Q-Zone reviews. Mm. Does it normally say news, though? I think, yeah, there's normally news. news up there. Yeah. You see how the spacing between Q-Zone and reviews, the letters, is a bit wider than everywhere else on the bar? Oh, yeah! The rest is all fine, but those are stretched right out. If you can't mention all three, you best not mention any of them up there to be honest because q zone and reviews yeah news tips reviews you got to do all three boom bam boom. honestly if they just put tips and reviews but not spread them out like that yeah. i don't think we'd have noticed or yeah said the word tips instead of q zone because it's such yeah. a weird bespoke term that singling yeah. that out and then reviews you know what i mean it's hard to describe but it just feels like there's something not quite right there before we flip her open let's flip her over <laughs> oh, no, that's good i like that <laughs> and have a look at the back cover because we've got a full page advert on the back cover of this issue and it's a nice looking one. It's one of those Lego system photographs. They were good at Lego photography in this era. I'm fond of it. This is, I think we've had this debate before. This is a standard city style one so I'm much less interested in these than in the more imaginative pirate or castle based mm. ones. But this is a spaceport so there is like a space shuttle and stuff. In this. Indeed. So that's, a, that's a bit more interesting than just... I think I said it in the past, but I see the fire engine in the background there, which I had. Yes, that's right. And then the full fire station over there. We are looking at the launch pad of this big space shuttle that's going to kick off. It's not as if it's like the Lego space shuttle and everything else is background. Actually, it says new, and the logo that says new has a picture of a space shuttle. Mm. But all of the little things are labelled very small, like 6339 shuttle launch pad, 6614 spaceport fire truck. But we're looking down at a dramatic angle of this thing about to launch. And then in the background, there's a winding road going off into the distance. Artfully then transitions into some non-Lego city background that's just boxes they've made and painted little windows on. It's quite, I, I quite mm. like how they've done it. And there's all vehicles everywhere, helicopters flying and things flying around and things driving about and it's all... They're very good at setting up these photos. Still, you look at it and you look at how positively quaint it was mm. back then, don't you? Yeah. Look at this Lego space shuttle here. You think about what a Lego space shuttle released today would be like instead, you know? Exactly. This honestly could have come out in the 50s. Yeah. It looks like first wave of, like, you know, space interest stuff, doesn't it? There's something so functional about it. And it tells you you can join the Lego Club for only £4.95. I really wanted to join the Lego Club. I yeah. really wanted to, and I never did. Yeah, because you got stuff. You got Bricks and Pieces, which was a magazine. You got a sew-on patch of Captain Roger. 
that you could sew onto your trousers or swimming trunks. Oh, Captain Roger was the pirate. Sorry, f- the I pirate was stuck captain. on thinking of Captain Rick from Ricicles there for some reason. <laughs> oh, there must be a sew-on patch of him somewhere out there. Surely. Can you sew? No. No, I can't sew. And Abby has done it before, but it's not at the forefront of her skill set. I feel like this is something that people used to be able to do, you know? Well, then they invented the iron-on patch, and the need for the um, skill just evaporated. <laughs> I suppose, and t-shirts became cheap as chips and yeah, yeah yeah it's a shame because i've got clothes that it'd be nice if i could you know bring them in a bit <laughs> you know the sleeves on my coat are too long <laughs> i just don't have the skill it's another one of them welcome screens from megadroid where he's just telling us the contents of the comic there's not much buzzing at stc tires at the moment i guess no there's one thing that uh, raises my interest though Mm-hmm. Which is, this issue features a final farewell for now to those streets of rages. He did it again! He did it again! I know. He said know. a final farewell for now. I mean, yeah. it's it's a farewell yeah. for now, or a final or farewell. A final, yeah. And I think it is a final farewell, isn't it? Uh, for it Yes, out. to both of them, as it turns out, to Streets yeah. of Rage and Margot's Magic Football. Yeah. However, don't be downhearted, Humes, as next issue sees a welcome return to that mighty warrior Shinobi. There's also another yeah. splashing new launch called Captain Plunder and his Sky Pirates. It is time for Captain Plunder already. Yes. I had the opposite thought yesterday. I was like, well, we've only had him once. Me and you have been cracking through this for, you know, how long now? Is it coming on for a couple of years? It's been ages. As of this date, you know, we've been recording these for two years now at this point. (laughs) And we have only had Captain Plunder the one time. And it's funny, you know, because I know, I mean, we are pages basically away from the Sandopolis zone mystery and the start of Sonic and Knuckles and Captain Plunder shows up in that and I remember the excitement I had at seeing you know the simple buzz of the familiar I was like there's that thing I recognize from that issue a certain amount of time ago therefore I am a good nerd and a good reader because I have read it long enough to know the thing (laughs) this makes me better than other people (laughs) (laughs) yep so it's funny then that I don't remember that they'd already told us he was coming back in his own strip Mm. anyway, Mm. which I remember now that they have told us, yeah, funnily starts in the same issue as the story where he comes back in Sonic. Yeah, not much mention of the sweets except to say, hope you like STC's sticky start on the cover in the shape of the Sonic spinball sweets. Yes, boomers, even our Fabaroonie free gifts are, quote, tasteful. Fabaroonie, don't you love it? Mm. Fabaroonie. Yep. (laughs) Yep. No news is good news again, because we don't have a news zone again this issue. We have a pin-up this time instead of a... I disagree that no news is good news. I like the news zone, and I like what it does for our podcast, and... Chris, I've compensated for it. Uh, You shall find out what I've prepared when we get there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think as a kid I wouldn't have been too bothered. But yeah, definitely as an adult hosting a podcast, Mm. hungry for content. Yeah. Although, mind you, I've had enough sweetie stories to probably make up for the the lost minutes. Yes. And we got a Lion King special in the Q-Zone. And Mm. Tails will be back in uh, two issues time in a sequel to the Zone Runner story. So... Mm. Let's try and get excited about that. Mm. Mm. But be warned, your old school Max and overcoats may start to get treated to a sudden new lease of life. I confess, I'm even now staring at it, trying not to read old school Max as meaning those coloured IMAX from <laughs> you know, 2000 era. Yeah, because kids were really out there um, cosplaying as Tails as Zone Runner. <laughs> yeah, yes, I wasn't sure what they're getting at there. I guess that is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Then down the middle... Echo friendly. Mm. It's an announcement of a, 
I love it. A Fabo promo featuring Echo the <laughs> Dolphin with McVitie's, the cake and biscuit makers. If you collect three promotional packs, you can, uh, I presume, it says here available for purchase, so I'm assuming the idea is that if you collect the three promotional packs, you can then send them in with a certain amount of money for a cuddly dolphin toy. Yeah! And for every toy you buy, 50p is donated to the Whale and Dolphin Conservation Society. The promotion is featured on the back of up to 2 million Jaffa, Penguin, and Mallow Mallow Cake cake bars. bars. Did the Jaffa Cake Bar exist in 1995 yet? Well, I mean, it must have done. No, but did it, or have they just copped up this copy? Because you wouldn't refer to a penguin bar. This is my question. Was there a penguin cake bar at the time? And a Jaffa cake bar. Okay, so I basically don't remember what they're talking about here. I think they mean Jaffa cakes, penguins, and mallow bars. And mallow cake bars. Mallow cake bars, yeah. What's a mallow cake? We can't find anything about that one from Googling it on, like, spinballs. So if you remember what a McVitie's mallow was... Yeah, there's loads of things I can picture that... It could be. Yeah, but like a I just tea don't cake know. or something, or a pink yeah, and white. Yeah, or like the equivalent of a tummocks or whatever, but I don't know yeah. what McVitie's used to make. No, nothing springs was to mind. Mallow. Unless it was one of those ones. It wasn't one of those ones where, where it's like like a long biscuit with a sort of snake of pink mallow on it and maybe some, uh, some shavings of coconut. Some coconut shavings on top of that. I know the thing you mean, but mm, yeah. uh, doesn't, it doesn't strike maybe maybe. Maybe. What did they used to call those? Mallow cakes? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't leave that one. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it will also feature a free prize draw, offering the chance to win Mega CD, 5 Mega Drives, 10 Game Gears, 50 Master Systems, they had to get rid of them somehow in 1995, (laughs) together with the follow-up to the original Echo the Dolphin release, Echo the Tides of Time. Dolphinately a flippin' good time. Hey! Summer! The Big Con, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Letters by Steve Potter. The Chemical Plant Zone plays host to Robotnikon 1, the first official Dr. Robotnik Appreciation Convention, luring Mobians into attending by promise of a special reward. Sonic and Co. arrive in disguise to investigate and discover that the convention center is really a badnik processing plant, converting the unwitting attendees into badniks. And by the time the guest of honour, Dr. Robotnik, arrives, our heroes have reduced the place to rubble. Hey, Dave, we totally confused this with another one, didn't we? (laughs) We did a bit, didn't we? (laughs) Yeah, we did. We saw the picture in the last issue of the big building that is Robotnik's (laughs) head, and we thought this was the story that introduced Citadel Robotnik whenever Dr. Robotnik moves his base of operations to the Metropolis Zone. Which does look like this, but less colourful. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Which is a much more significant story that will not happen for some time yet, and this (laughs) one and i knew kitching had to write the one where robotnik moves to the metropolis because it's Mm -hmm. such a big status quo change Mm -hmm. so i looked at it and i'm saying loose stringer and i'm like hold on a tick here and then i kept on reading and it wasn't the story i thought it was (laughs) which is not in any way to say that it is a bad story no that's just us retracting comments we may have made last issue (laughs) yes substance wise this one does feel like a story that would be a bit more at home a little earlier in the run perhaps Mm, perhaps but it's a lot of fun and this time around reading it 
I've been to conventions. Now, when I was right, reading this... Right, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't... I don't think I even knew what a convention no, was when I read this. I don't imagine didn't I know. got this no, when I read no, it originally. I didn't get it. I didn't get the joke, the pun between con and con. Didn't get that. To me, a convention, it sounded like something that, you know, your dad would go to for work, <laughs> you know? So I didn't get it then. Now, I'm loving it. It's all jokes about... Nerd cons. It's great. Yeah. All these people are lining up. They're discussing what panels they're going to go to. Stuff like that. There's a bit where they're talking about, like, oh, what are you going to go and see? Well, there's a bit where Robotnik's doing a speech. What's on the timetable for this convention? Panel discussion. It's good to be a badnik. Guest <laughs> dictator. Dr. Robotnik talks and you listen. <laughs> Not a lot of variety, is there? You will, and then a badnik leans in. Like, yeah. they're being trooped into this convention yeah. center by badniks. You will enjoy this con by order of Dr. Robotnik. I do enjoy the badniks in this one. It's like, welcome yeah. to Robotnikon 1, the official convention for all loyal supporters of Dr. Robotnik. That means everyone! <laughs> Because <laughs> you can't be anything else. Special bonus. Swap your live savings for this exclusive autographed photo of our beloved leader. Uh, uh, I'm not too sure about that. Do it! <laughs> and he always got a sack of money. I hadn't seen that. There's oh, a yeah. panic just holding this why sack of money. Why are you bringing your life savings? Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I know the artist Dali can be expansive sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, hang on. Yeah, now that I think back, I've been to conventions. <laughs> Very interesting thing in the very next panel. We cut to Dr. Robotnik, who's all uh, dressed up in a kingly cape, a uh, robe, looking at himself in the mirror with Grimer poking around. Doing a 90s suits you, sir. Uh, yeah, right. Stringer would always be one for more for these kind of references than Kitchen would be. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll put the fast show clip in now. Yeah, obviously. Suit you, sir. Suit you, sir. Yes, he's doing the riff on the characters from the fast show, but he's doing the full-on fingers interlaced crony pose at the same time. I feel mm. like Stringer had a tendency to sometimes write Grimer as a bit more of a, a toadying sycophant. Yeah. A bit more of a snivelly sometimes than, oh, yeah. than Kitching did. And we get a little look inside the convention center as big robot arms come down and grab everybody, you know. And then we see that Bob Beaky is in the uh, queue outside. And we've yes. seen Bob before, but I am in love with Tails' disguise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's he got? Look oh, at yes. the little beanie hat he's, he's wearing. He's got a green it's beanie actually on. actually adorable. Like, okay. uh, <laughs> and, he's, and he's wearing a pair of Groucho Marx glasses. with the One of those, yeah, the, the glasses really with the nose and moustache. Although you can only... They're all hidden behind Sonic and as Bob Beaky. You only see any mm. of this when they're taking it off in the next panel. I think it's just the image of Tails with the beanie is just surprisingly adorable isn't it i think it maybe it's partly because he's just doing a little smile directly he's looking you in the eyes yeah. as the reader when he takes it off he's looking out of the panel at you doing a little smile with his little beanie on it's nice yeah and porker <laughs> is also there there as well. who appears to have been wearing a baseball cap and shades Oh yeah, there he's tossing them aside in the panel. Actually, you can yes. you can't really see it, but it's just behind the gun. I really like the artwork in this issue, but there are a couple of moments in it where yeah, things are kind of getting hidden, and this is an example of it. There isn't room for us to see the disguises that they're in until they take them off, and even then, you have to sort of piece together that Porker mm -hmm. has appeared out of nowhere because he is the cap and shades in the previous panel, which you know because there's also a snout. But that's literally all you can see. Yeah, you can see his little piggy nose, yeah. And then you have to sort of notice that, oh, there's the cap, he's throwing it away. There's a little bit of his thumb poking through where he's throwing it. So 
I don't know if I think there's a layout problem there or not, but I really like the feel of the shapes and the feel of the line work. Something mm. about it, it's cozy in a way that I like this artwork. He's still not anywhere near what I would describe, you know, one of my top STC artists at this point. Mm-hmm. But even compared to where he was with the first Zone Runner strip when we saw him for the first oh, time, yeah. there's been a big improvement on grasping the physicality of Sonic. Again, we've talked about it with Mike Hadley and uh, Casanovas as well. Is like mm-hmm. It definitely feels like we're at a point where Richard Elson artwork is being passed around amongst the other artists as the style guide. Yes, and it's helping them all to figure out like oh this is how you put these unusual for you know british comics in this era looking characters into backgrounds that we're comfortable drawing they've that's what they've all sorted out among themselves at this stage and it's starting to look really good there's no really bad ones anymore (laughs) i mean there's a couple of dodgy tales I feel like the the very specific reference material that's getting passed around the most is the Sonic stuff. You know, drawings of Sonic, guide. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Elson had drawn some kind of style guide turnaround for mm, how yeah. you're supposed to draw Sonic, you know? Yeah. Porker's looking well as well. I really like this panel, this uh, one here on page five, this um, worm's eye view, upward looking shot at the looming convention center as uh, Porker holds his arms up to stop all the people from getting mm, yeah. in, getting inside the building as the badniks start to come spilling out. Nice looking badniks too. Lovely. Buzzers and Valkyries. Yeah, they're all flying out of this big hatch on the top, like the head of Dr. Robotnik. The building simply just doesn't look big enough though, does no, it? No, it like, no. At no point in the story does the building truly look big enough to hold the convention inside of. No, it doesn't. Or even just the machine really that would turn them <laughs> into these. I think it wants to be a bit big. Oh, if you're, by the way, readers, I don't know how much we've got this across. It's just a big Robotnik's face building. Yeah. Coloured in and everything. Flesh you know, coloured like, and everything, yeah. Yeah, and orange moustache and red nose. It's all painted. It's just an angry looking Robotnik. And they all walk into its mouth. And come out of a... His head opens up. It's forehead. And then the badniks come pouring out. That's where all the badniks fly out. And yeah, it's all nicely drawn. And it's all soft and simple and cartoony. Mm. It's not one of your sort of, you know, hard-looking comics for older boys. (laughs) (laughs) For big boys. Tell you what you are, at least when you're 13, is you're a cool kid now. But which some of them are. Like, that's kind of how some of what Richard Elson does and Casanova, some of it looks like it's derived from... A 2000 AD. This looks like a kid's comic, but a really nice one. And there's also this big uh, Robotnik statue standing outside Mm. the convention centre. And this is what Sonic uh, brings down on top of the... He spins around the base of the statue, wears it away, and brings the statue crashing down on top of the centre, and it all explodes. Those guys that Shorty had to deal with in the previous issue, I think they would have some things to say on Twitter about the uh, toppling of this statue. I think they'd be like, oh, well, that's our history. You want to get rid of history? How are we supposed to remember Dr. Robotnik's yeah. reign if we don't have <laughs> statues of him up in public places? <laughs> and then Robotnik himself turns up, still looking at himself in the hand mirror. Like It's a bit adventuresy, but you know, it it's is the bit, kind of yeah. strip it is where he's looking at himself in the hand mirror as Grimer flies the ship. And it's only then whenever Grimer says, um, and Robotnik looks out the window to see the place wrecked. And he's drawn over the top of the banner that used to say Robotnik on one, and he's put Sonic on one on it, as if, like, yeah. the Sonic says, paint. He's written over yeah. it in paint, you know, graffiti. Yeah. I do enjoy this final panel where Tails says, Looks like you ruined Robotnik's big day, Sonic. And then it's, again, it's a very adventuresy line out of Sonic. Way cool, Tails. I never was <laughs> yeah. one to follow convention. 
I love hey. though how they're standing. Well, Sonic stand. <laughs> Tails is flying. Sonic standing, and Porker sitting, and they're standing and sitting on the little floating platforms from the chemical plant. Yes, zone. I just love that. that. You know, that's all it takes for me. That, I know you, you'll win me over with that. Shit. That's all I need. <laughs> Porker isn't just sitting; he's doing a full-on boy band pose. He's yeah, got he's like doing a lounge. He's got his jeans and his jacket on. He's grinning out at us. He's got his one arm one up arm on his draped knee, up over the leg. Yeah, the other one leaning on the <laughs> prop yeah. himself up. Yeah, he's doing his Porker's very first sexy pose there. First and only, I think. You'll I think find. so. I don't think. I don't think there's even been fan art. I'm going to Google sexy Please don't, Porker never Lewis. Sexy Porker Lewis. Let's see what we get. Did you mean sexy Parker Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it hasn't given me that? It's just here's what it's given me, and you're gonna. I I I, I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. I mm. found it very funny. Loads and loads of just pictures from STC. Cool. One picture of a horrible looking pig, which is Porker Face by Deborah p- p- Lewis. P- p- porker Face. P- p- and porker then face. if you scroll down a little bit. Just next to the first appearance of Knuckles in STC, the Nigel Kitching drawing, and the uh, Going At It poster, sandwiched in between those, just a picture of David Cameron. <laughs> um, <laughs> sexy Porker, indeed. Why he comes up when you Google Sexy Porker Lewis, we can but speculate. <laughs> Who could? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's our history, that is. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. This this it's it's a fun, silly little one. Yeah. Substance wise, it does feel like something from a slightly earlier time, mm. especially when the next issue box says next issue Sandopolis, Sandopolis Zone, Zone mystery. mystery, and that oh you didn't know there was no knowing from this issue. You didn't no. know what was coming. You didn't know what we were about to step foot into. No, no, it just sounds like it's going to be another one of those ice cap escapades. Or exactly. Whatever, you know? Yep, it sounds like it's just going to be another little fun zone one that maybe Stringer will do because last issue was by Kitching. So you think maybe we get two Stringers in a row or something? Mm. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Come back then, listeners, you're going to love it. Refuse in the review zone this week we have Pitfall, the Mayan adventure for Mega Drive, reviewed by Nick Protz, and Ristar for the Mega oh, Drive, yes. reviewed by Jenny Fromer. Flipping it, we, the Pitfall, the Mayan adventure, we first heard about this yonks ago, didn't yeah, we? in the news zone, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, ages ago. This is the one where it's just a new, it's basically a new Pitfall it's game. A new Pitfall, yeah. It's on the Mega Drive, it's Pitfall Harry Jr. And they're, yeah, it's just it's just a Pitfall game they've made. Just it's just a, game, it's a platform game they've made with the Pitfall name on it, basically. Yep, basically. I mean, I enjoy the bit where he says you'll meet strange enemies like the evil possessed Jaguar. Fire-breathing statues, <gasps> live skeletons, <gasps> and the Jaguar Man. <gasps> Similar to the first one. There's a focus on Jaguars there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I guess one's a man and one isn't. One's just evil-possessed. Yeah, one's just evil and possessed, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> or possessed by evil. <laughs> and they make mention of how the animations and backgrounds are lush and look like Disney. Because, yes, that's right, they were jumping on the Aladdin train, weren't they? Trying to make mm. it look like that. Well, just based on the screenshots, yeah. Much mention made of the fact that Pitfall is very difficult to control at first. And I don't... 
I wonder why that is. It seems like a big oversight. Yeah. Maybe the animations were too complicated, you know, Prince of Persia style. If you, you know, tap the left or right button and he'll launch into a big floppy animation or something. I don't know. He does say that it's worth persevering with as it does mm. get easier. And to be honest, that just sounds like him saying, you'll get used to it. Uh, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> As for Rista, Jenny mentions the clever design in the Planet Sonata level. Quote, everything's a musical instrument and plays as such. That got me really interested, so that was when I uh, brought it up on YouTube. I thought you might. Uh, yeah, well, sadly, when I watched the level, all I saw was just ordinary platforming with a few sparse musical instruments used as just standard platforming elements. There's nothing about... Yes, I think it's just when you jump on them, they just honk or toot, don't they? Uh, honestly, I didn't even see evidence of that. It was just, a, you know, this platform looks like a flute, so... Oh well, oh, well. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Did you ever play Ristar? I feel like we've covered this. I did play Ristar, but I only played it when it was released on the Sonic Mega Collection for GameCube. Uh, so I didn't play it back in the original Mega Drive days, but I did have a good time with it. It is a good game. I, I think we've said it before, but it its absence from the mini Mega Drive mm. does feel like a conspicuous one. It's mm -hmm. like when you had 40 games on there and you see some of the, the toot that's on there. It feels like Ristar is, is a bit overlooked too. It feels like it should have been on there. feels like, to be honest, even if they'd only made like a 20 games thing, Ristar should still have been on it. And in comparison to what uh, Prats was saying about uh, Pitfall, Fromer says that it has simple controls that will make it a particularly good game for younger players. Yes. Simple but fun, the Raves box says. Uh, the Graves on Ristar are that it looks familiar. I mean, we've talked a bit about Ristar before, but he was positioned to be sort of like the new... The new Sonic, almost, you know? This was as I remember it, and I'm surprised that it didn't happen here in this review, because I don't know what else I was reading. I didn't get many dedicated Sega magazines or anything like that, so clearly somewhere I got the impression that we yeah. were supposed to think of Ristar as the new thing, the new Sonic, but which of course didn't take off. And I know why it didn't take off from looking at it. It's a standard platformer, just a completely normal one. It was a good game. Um, I, I think I said it before, but I think I think the reason it probably just didn't take off is that I don't like saying it on this mm. podcast, oh, but we're here at the end of the Mega Drive's span mm. now, you know? Yeah, it's, it's influence upon things, and Ristar's just arrived a little bit late as the, the next thing, the next generation is now being sought for. Yeah. If they could have held off and put Ristar on the Saturn, who knows? Looking at the um, the screenshots here, it looks like it has a very similar art direction to Chaotix. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Something about the colours of it. I don't remember if this is reflected in the uh, actual game when I was watching footage of it, but... Well, that's it. You can never quite tell whether the screenshots are a bit saturated or not. No, exactly. Exactly, yeah. But it does sort of make me wonder what what the 32X was for. <laughs> well, did. I mean, I think a lot of people wondered that. <laughs> Sweet The Only Game in Town, Part 6, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Peter Richardson and letters by Tom Frame. The Street Rager's attempt to jump the river fails, and the battle wagon crashes into the half-constructed bridge on the other side. But our heroes manage to pull themselves to safety, and once Axel has received medical attention, they go to collect their winnings from Mr. X for beating his odds and making it out alive. 
It turns out that the Mr. X they knew has had a fatal accident, and a new crime boss now holds his title, and while he's content to pay them what they've won for now, he vows revenge in the future. So, at the end of last issue, I was going, no, how are they gonna, like, get... Because they've jumped over that bridge. We could see that they weren't gonna make the jump. They were on a downward arc, they were gonna make it. Yeah, and my question was, like, well, I wonder what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is incredibly brutal. They yeah. just go plunging down towards the exposed steel girder sticking up off a construction site, and it rips through the whole <laughs> battle wagon like a through sword. Out the back, a, like a kebab. Yes! And somehow they managed to, you know, like, duck Twist around it and away. grab onto yeah, it and stuff. Yeah. But, but, oof, that is quite a fate for the Street mm. Rages. And then they uh, they managed to climb out. Axel's worse for wear. Not from the crash, remember, but from the fact he was uh, stabbed in the stomach yes. a few yeah, years ago. right through. And he's still... They aren't showing him covered in blood, but they are drawing a load of, like, ink all over him. Yes, they're, they're doing that, that 90s comic black blood thing yeah. where you could show blood if you just coloured it black. Yeah, but it kind of works because it's not a fresh wound. It happened an issue or two ago, so... Mm. It's at least five minutes ago. <laughs> well, yeah. So you get the sense that it may have, you know, darkened as some of as the top yes. layer has dried on his clothes. I, I found it very effective. Once I'd figured out that was what they were doing, anyway. Mm. You actually have to remember back two issues ago to the fact he was stabbed and not yeah. that he's just, you know, been hurt in the uh, crash here. And that's why he was having trouble getting out in the first place. And they yeah. had to, like, you know, do the thing of reaching a hand down for him while the wagon falls away around him. That's all cool. And then it's a very Mark Miller line to close it out. It's not written by Mark Miller, but it's a very Mark Miller line where Axel bleeding out as he, uh, they've made it to the other side. So they, the guy's shooting at them and everything. And I guess the guys are just polite enough to stop once they make it to the other side and they've won the bet and they're okay. Yeah. And uh, Axel's lying there and is like, I don't want to sound like a wimp, but could somebody call me an ambulance or something? <laughs> Very Mark Miller channeling the energies there. <laughs> Mustn't be a wimp. Mustn't receive medical care. I have to admit, I was very surprised to then turn the page to the next day when <laughs> he's been taken to hospital, been patched up, yeah. been released, and I'm like, these guys are wanted fugitives. And they've all gone down to the max for a milkshake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how did he even get out of the hospital? <laughs> but they're sitting around a, a table at a diner with fizzy drinks and a they don't bar. Have... It says it's a bar in the Italian yes. quarter, but yeah, it looks like, look like the Max. <laughs> you expect them to have burgers, but they haven't. Yeah, well, it's because mm. it's all pink and neon looking. And yep. uh... what kind of hat is that fella in the background wearing? Uh, that's that. I fell silent. It's like an officer's cap. Because I was looking at the fella in the background, who's like M. <laughs> Bison or something, just looking around in the background. Yes, it's uh, what I was doing was I was wondering. Is that coding? Is this a gay bar? Oh, I don't or know. Not? Good question. <laughs> anyway, they're here with Ferocio, and they invite him yes. to uh, come. I mean, maybe he's the reason they've managed to get Axel in and out. Maybe he did something, you know. But uh, mm. they invite him to come and join them, but he says, you know, he's too old to fight on the streets. Now get out of here. You want people to see me talking to a bunch of vigilantes? Now get out of here. G-E-D-A-D-A-H-E-R-E. -E -E. One yeah. word. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> now get out of here and then despite my um disbelief last issue that they would just rock up and mr x would pay out <laughs> for blaze pacing a bet that she never actually like physically handed the cash over for uh, yep 
they go to Mr. X's office and he pays out. Yeah, it goes fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, deal's a deal. I, get, I, I mean, I get the impression, yeah, that that uh, who knows if the previous Mr. X would have paid out. That's the thing. We don't have to worry yeah. about it because he has met with a, a little swimming accident. <laughs> I know there was a new chap who again could be out of a bond film or any 80s yes. action movie who's got like a big scar coming down from across his forehead across his right eyeball yeah. and as for an eye he's just got like an obsidian orb yes a black the eye. injured it's eye not, not an eye patch black. or a fake it's yeah it's like that guy charles dance played in last action hero he's got a big <laughs> fake eye yeah and he says uh it wouldn't be good for business if i didn't pay my debts mm. businessman yeah, so he's starting, he's the new crime boss. He might be starting it in a slightly different way. It's very clear it's going to persist in the exact same way. This enterprise has cost me dearly, and I will be looking for a way to recoup my losses. Then our heroes swagger off, all in their nice suits. Mm, yes. And such, they're all dressed up, because they were at a bar earlier, I guess. Oh, yes. Dressed up to go out. Got to put your Sunday best on for the, for this, the bar. These are their civilian disguises. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're gonna, the first thing we got to do is get ourselves a new set of wheels. Hey, this is my money, jokes Blaze. Who wrecked the battle wagon anyway? Womp womp. <laughs> and then we are lied to by Megadroid. I know, I hate the lie, right? You could just yeah. say, the end for now. Yeah. Or, you know, or just the end. But it's, it ends with, more hot action on the streets of rage coming to STC soon. Never. And there never would be. Never, never, never. Goodbye, Streets of Rage. We we loved you, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, you've been great. Honestly, I did not expect... Now, this, this is 18 months or so of reading Streets of Rage now at this point, on yeah. and off. I did not expect to enjoy Streets of Rage, like, unironically <laughs> as an adult. Yeah. Because uh, it's <laughs> such edgy nonsense. But it's so it's so completely self-aware in what it's doing. Yeah. It has been, as a kid, we've said it many times, as kids, reading Streets of Rage was the sense you were getting away with something. That mm. you were reading something that maybe, if your parents could see past the cartoon hedgehog on the cover, would be surprised to discover that there yes. was all these drug-based gangland executions and, and veiled <laughs> swears occurring in your children's comic. And it mm. did feel like getting away with something. And, and reading it as an adult is... It's kind of like experiencing that from the other side. Mm. And it, 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 it's, yeah. And I, I again, it's, I, I said it when we started this one, is that I would never have realized as a kid that there was a different writer writing yeah. the two separate strips because Kitching really does a great job of uh, of matching the sort of the tone and the world that Mark Miller had set up. The 80s action. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's some Warriors influence in this with the whole oh, uh, hunted yeah. across the gangland by the mm. different groups of, of gangs. I feel like I heard that was what the game was based on anyway, so that's totally appropriate. Mm. Yeah, so uh, it's it's been loads of fun. And I, to be honest, the fact that I know now that this is the end and it's not coming back of like one of the earliest sega superstar strips mm -hmm. so no way the, its end is like the beginning of the end almost yeah you know, for that era of the comic for that era, yeah but yeah we did not know it then we know it now that that it uh it is like a signpost on the way mm. of the changing face of the comic yeah and uh i will miss it but i'm really looking forward to shinobi coming back next issue for similar reasons like f to see yeah. an old friend again now after quite a bit of a break from shinobi actually. it's like well, they're all being allowed to come in and take a final bow yeah, i know right I, it's funny to read this actually and and 
because I didn't remember, that the original Mr. X went out, was now out of the picture, yeah. as it were. I, I, I like that. There's a something of a note of, if not finality, a note of resolution or a closing of a door of some kind at the end of the yes. third Streets of Rage strip. And it doesn't it add to the sort of the futility that is crime fighting in this city mm. that like it wasn't that they faced him down and had a final battle with him and defeated him it just it just rolls on without them they yep. kill each other evil will always wear another face and so with that we've done the strips we've done the poster mag and that's all of it so goodbye forever to streets of rage We've got a double page spread right here in the center of the comic. It's a Richard Elson drawing. Honestly, it's a fairly basic Sonic drawing. Yep, it's, it's it, yep, just Sonic in running along profile shot. You know, running well, not not straight profile, three quarters view, running along across the uh, green hill or the Emerald Hill. Yep, just a nice little bit of green grass and flowers. There's a wee loop in the background. There's and, a loop. Uh, oh, not one of your preferred loops, Dave. No, it's an interesting combo. It's the yeah. sort where it's just a circular hole cut in a big square thing, but also you can see the approach road that you yeah, would use you can to see get the onto on ramp. <laughs> but there's no off ramp, so you get yeah. on, you get on there, and then you just woo, 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 forever. Right now, yeah. yeah, but now, it's nicely drawn. Now this looks like an old drawing, is the thing, doesn't it? It looks sort of like you know Sonic CD era. Richard Elson, I think. I would even go further back than that. This looks yes. like, um, like sort Super of Sonic. very early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This mm. looks like very early Elson stuff, and and part of it is there's an indefinable sort of quality about it that just mm-hmm. says that maybe partially down to the way he's coloring him or the the way he's shaping the spines. The big one to me is that his flesh colored parts are yellowy and not yes. pinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was more of a, a sort of. Uh, trait of older stuff to me it's something about the particular shape of the grin and the particular shape of the eyebrows as well yeah the eyebrows jump out don't they yeah nothing wrong with it in any way no it's a uh, lovely picture i would love to have this up on my wall no problem i think it was maybe just a piece of older art they had laying about that they Mm. slipped in as a pin-up when they didn't have a news zone and guys i mean it's going to be quite some time here years from now yet you know but pin-ups in the middle are going to become a more common sight in the later years of this comic than you may remember. Such a waste of space. Who wants to put a poster up on their wall with a fold and two staple holes in the middle? Well, you got to be careful. Remove. That's the thing. It's like if you're really doing it properly, you got to bend the staples and carefully yeah. slide the page off, you know. But then your staple is fucked forever. Exactly. You, can, you, you can, can never get it you back. You can never bend a staple back the way it was. It's the truth. No. I, I seem to remember I even once tried, like, pushing... The bottom bit of a stapler onto a, mm. a magazine, I'd pull something out. He can't do it. You just There's can't no do it. it. 
And nope. th- and this poster, lovely though it is, and presumably drawn to be a cover that it never ended up being. That's what I think. You'd never get it out because it's got the final page of an ongoing story in it. That's the thing. I mean, that's what the they back. get better about in the later years. It's nearly always a, a graphic zone or an ad or something on the back of the poster in the future when they become right. like a, a regular feature. But yeah, when they're just sort of trying to squeeze them in to fill space, as it feels like now... They're wherever, yeah. I'm dismayed by the lack of new zone because I think that the new zone is a big part of the character of this comic. So I've compensated for it with two little tidbits that I'm going to call New Zone. <laughs> new Zone. Number one, I'm going to find out what the news from my life was by cracking open the old 1995 diary. Yes, perfect. Oh, yes, give it. Regular listeners might recall that uh, at the start of this year, both this actual year in which you're listening and our coverage of 1995, I cracked open my old diary from 1995, which is when I started keeping a diary, and uh, I was looking for any mention of Sonic therein, and there's many, because... It's what I was into. Yeah, so I'm looking for mentions of Sonic that, uh, or anything that we cover. Yes, I mean, uh, the most interesting stuff from your last consultation <laughs> of your diary was Saved by the Bell, Pastels, and uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> so it's just proof that this podcast is as accurate a representation of our mindset, or Dave's mindset at the very least, at the time. Yeah. Very little has changed, it would seem. Friday the 24th of February, 10.42pm. Yawn. Today... And that's it. That's the whole entry. And uh, fell asleep. <laughs> Saturday the twenty fifth opens with ha ha ha. I dropped my pen over the side of the bed yesterday and couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Today we bought Jurassic Park the video. The video. The God. video. Not Jurassic, <laughs> Jurassic Park on Park, video. The video. The movie. <laughs> the game. The motion picture. <laughs> At the very end of last month, the 29th of January, that was a Sunday, and the entry is, Hi, it's 2.42pm, and I'm writing for the sake of it. I can get to Flying Battery Act 2 on Sonic and Knuckles. Way! I don't know how I had hold of Sonic and Knuckles in those days. We didn't own it yet. Must have borrowed it off my friend. Uh, cheat for Sonic and Knuckles with Sonic 1. Hold A, B, and C at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> yeah. And then it says a a little bit later, 9.07pm, I don't think I'll get another chance to write. Just before my bath, I just got out, I ripped a new jumper on the door handle. Ah, Hit that! Uh, Straight through the arm, that. And then, Uh. uh, very next day, Mum's mended it, and it looks like it was never ripped. Speaking of sewing, the abilities that we've lost as a culture. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So there we go, That's, that's all we have from that news. And I wasn't satisfied with that. So here's what I did. I went and looked up what the Sega news for February of 1995 was. There isn't very much of it. I looked in Mean Machines of February. Yes, because the next issue is in March, isn't it? So we have gone past all of February without a news zone. Without any news. So here's what was going on in the world of Sega back then. So, uh, according to Mean Machines, Street Fighter the movie has had its press screening. Oh, right. Okay. Well, we had a little bit about that in the news zone a little while back, wherever they were saying that um, Daniel Dillus was going to play T-Hawk and all that. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Uh, Well, now it's been viewed. There's a full review and a a sort of a panel and verdicts from a panel of six staff members, one of whom calls Mm. the film... 100% 100% pure pap. <laughs> I love that word. That word to me, in my mind, is 100% associated with video game magazines and reviews <laughs> and shit from that time. It's the only place you'd hear it. Pap. And another of whom calls it, quote, quite simply the best film I've ever seen in my life. Oh, aye. 
Or it might be the worst. It's hard to tell. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, though, to compare, like... I always like to compare responses to things at the time they came out versus how they're remembered today. So, for instance, now, if anyone mentions this film in any context today at least 12 nerds in the periphery will immediately jump in and some of them will hire a plane to do skywriting to repeat some phrases about raul julia's performance and how he did it for his kids and so on here Mm. nary a mention of him at all either by name no one even says he's in the film or even just in passing comment about the character of m bison not mentioned to these reviewers he simply didn't register that's a shame isn't it that is a shame because say what you will about like retroactive critique but yeah. that's always been true of that film is raul julia was always great in it yeah but to these reviewers it was just tuesday i think it's just because the nostalgia critic didn't exist yet to make a <laughs> meme out of him turning around going of course super strike for mega cd is coming out that's a new strike game you know the helicopter games but it contains the three previous games it never happened it's an urban strike that never happened shinobi x is coming out for the sega saturn a console which mean machines blithely accepts as existing they just talk about it as if it was something we all know about. STC apparently alone in not having talked about it already. There's even a competition where you can win one. And there's talk about a, not a knockoff brand, but like somebody else who's allowed to make them as well in Japan. I did wonder whether, it, you know, I did my, the, the usual Googling. Did any of this actually happen? Yes, Shinobi X came out. It was delayed for European release because Sega Europe's producer didn't like the music and just got Richard Jakes to redo it all. So a Sonic CD situation there. And finally, Digital Pictures have announced a re-release of Night Trap for the Mega CD. For the Mega CD. They're re-releasing Night Trap Mm. on the Mega CD, but in a special spruced up version that this time uses the 32X to expand the video quality. Now, we've talked about that before, definitely. Not specifically Mm -hmm. the Night Trap version, but the idea that the 32X could somehow boost the processing power of the Mega CD when all three were united into an unholy tower? Into the Ultrazord of consoles. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's what's happening in the Sega News of February 1995 though not mentioned here in SDC. And we'll have to wait and see then if maybe it's all going to get mentioned in the news yeah, zones. Yeah, it might well like, be. Yeah. Like the, when, when the news zones come back in an issue or two, and yeah. maybe we just, just means that, well, I guess real magazines had to report it first, and then SDC <laughs> could do it later. Photo <laughs> zone. It's not a graphic zone, this issue. No. no. It's a photo zone. I'm not sure what I feel about that, to be honest. I feel like we can always say a bit more about drawings you feel bad passing any kind of judgment on photos of kids don't you (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) as you can see from these fabby photos stc's band of snap happy humans are capturing anything connected with a spiky blue one so yeah it's a picture it's a bunch of pictures of kids uh, with all their sonic swag yeah and quite a lot of swag it is yeah i was uh looking through it because we've now we've even described these sort of pictures before when we've had photos of other kids coming in it's much the same sort of thing they're displaying how many games and issues of the comic they've got yeah. sitting in front of the posters up on their bedroom walls all of that sort of thing lots of them throwing up peace signs too which 
yeah. is uh, presumably less the reason we see cosplayers doing it because it's cool from anime these yes. days, but more to do with the old Sonic 2 fingers pose. That's right. That's what Sonic used to do. Yeah. Sonic did it first. So where is Sam Greenway standing? I do not know. He's in some sort of Sega display. There's a giant Sonic statue the same size as him. And mm. behind it, a big background that kind of looks like a blown-up Angel Island Zone background. Yeah, yeah. Don't know where he is, but he's got a bum bag on, so he's all right with me, and a, and a baseball cap. <laughs> he's wearing it at the front, though. I mean, did you ever wear a bum bag at your bum? Never at the bum. No, my bum bag was always on the front. Exactly, no, I couldn't... I mean, obviously, I wore... It was the 90s, you know. But... I would be far too paranoid to be walking around with it behind me. Yeah, someone might nick your sweets. Anybody could come up and get in it. Like, Somebody yeah. might pinch a toffo off you without asking. <laughs> yeah. You wear it at the front so you can keep an eye on it. They might nick off with a whole pack of Frosties without you even noticing a weight difference. Well, they were very small. Uh, Alison <laughs> Headley is giving us a wink. It, I feel like a, <laughs> not all of her uh, energy is in the wink. No, well, she's she's really having to force. There's probably too much energy is going into that uh, wink. Yeah, I think honest. what's yeah. happened is she had a wink ready. She did the wink, and then her mum took a merry time over taking the actual photograph. <laughs> yeah, she so she's like, can I stop wink. winking yet, mum? No. But she's got the old bubble bath. That I yeah. unscrewed the head of and made it into Zordon when I was Zordon, playing. That's right, yeah. She's got the cuddly toys. She's yeah, got the the pinball. the pinball game. She's got some of the videos down there, isn't it? The adventures videos. Oh, the yes. LCD games. The first two LCD games, yeah. Yes, I had the LCD game. Mm-hmm, same. What a load of rubbish it was. <laughs> <laughs> she's got the watch, which she's draped on the pinball table. A little bit hard to see. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that, yeah. She's wearing some sort of a top of it. She's in front of a Sonic 3 poster, which is the American artwork looking through a number three. Some sort of rolled up thing that I don't recognise. That's Alison Hadley from Roland's Guild. Dane and Weir. Mark Ford, as far as I'm concerned, is the absolute MVP of this double... There's a double spread, <laughs> by the way. We didn't say there's a two-page Yeah. Version, like the graphics on last issue. He is the absolute MVP because he is delighted to be here. Just look <laughs> at him. Look at that grin. I Mark know. Ford from Romford and Essex... Can't believe it, ...is can he? just like a pig in the proverbial. He is having a <laughs> great time. And well he might, because he's surrounded by Sonic goodies, he's got the, uh, you can just see it poking in, he's got the Kongman tower game thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's there. He's got, looks like, a, is that the pencil tin there, um, that's below the, that? the Hedgehog with Attitude grey pencil tin. He's got two posters on his wall. One is the mysterious golden one of them going through a ring that I tried to find for years. Yes, running towards the ring, yes. We figured out that was from issue 30, didn't we? I think, oh, well remembered, what? He's got the other one, which is, uh, we can only see the corner of it, but it's got a rabbit, so that's the one with Robotnik going over the uh, the background Ooh, in his Oh, that's the Sonic drill. Poster Mag poster, From Sonic it? the Poster Mag, yeah. Yeah. Cuddly toy in there too. Looks the like some socks. Sonic. Yes, it does, doesn't it? He's got Sonic socks, which I don't recognise. He's got some sort of red and yellow checkerboard thing draped over him. I can't tell if it's an article of clothing or a sheet no, or something. Or a towel or something like that. I don't know. I was going to say, I am fascinated by his shirt, which is not Sonic themed. No. It's some kind of Turtles parody, but he's got his hands covering the logo. Yeah. So he can't tell what it is. They look like ducks or possibly platypuses. They do, don't they? But they've, they've got the different coloured bandanas on. So I'm sure we'll be able to source that from somewhere. I wonder what is the thing he's got at the front that appears to be like just a, a see-through disc with a Sonic mm. silhouette and maybe a sucker on top unless that's part of the plush Sonic behind it. It seems to be... I don't know yes. what it even seems to be. 
don't know, some kind of uh, window decoration, maybe. And he's got several issues of uh, STC. Of course, this goes without saying. Matthew Thorby from Wilburton has been uh, face-painted up to look like Sonic and isn't looking very happy about it. No, he's just minding his own business. He's just sitting there. He happens to have his face painted as Sonic, but he's just sitting out in the garden on a picnic uh, blanket with some chairs behind him. Obviously, his uh, parents and family have just cleared out of the way so that this photo can be taken. STC's youngest reader at Mm -hmm. seven and a half weeks, a little picture of baby Alexander Gordon with a big cuddly toy of Sonic that's practically larger than they are. Yep. Tucked into a Thunderbird's bed set. Uh, Then you've got uh, Tom Swindell, who is sitting in front of shelves adorned with Sonic stuff. I don't know, man. I I said we don't want to pass judgment on kids or anything, but I don't know. Tom Swindell looks like he wants a bit of a slap, to be honest, doesn't he? I'm so glad you said that. I was a... (laughs) Yes! I bit my tongue and didn't say, I wasn't going to pass judgment on the kids, but this one looks smug, doesn't he? Oh, doesn't he, though? Doesn't he? But why wouldn't he? Because look what he's sitting in front of. He's got... The box for, this is what's right behind his head, the box for the Christmas crackers. So he's oh, that's a, what that is. That's oh, what that okay. is. I've still got the box myself, and I do this same smug face when I observe it. <laughs> um, he's got what honestly looks for all the world like, a round toy Robotnik that you can pull a plastic thing through to make yeah, some little, sort of spinner. spinner launch. Yeah, never seen that. It's a it's proper old fashioned Eggman Robotnik from the first game. He's got a bottle of Daddy's Sonic the Hedgehog. What ketchup? Ketchup, I presume. Blue yes, again, not something I've seen before. I do wonder. It probably wasn't, but it should have been. Was the ketchup blue? This is my question. I yeah. it I don't think, but I don't think we had quite got to that. Oh, I know. Because coloured ketchup was a thing, but I feel like it was later in the nineties than this. Right. Well, uh, I've now looked up the Daddy's Sauce, and I found this on UK Resistance. I mean, I hope you didn't just type Daddy's Sauce because in the internet <laughs> these days. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog Daddy's Sauce. Thankfully, one of our readers has such low standards of food hygiene, he's had this grimy gem in a cupboard since 1991. And then it says, The product was withdrawn from sale in 1992 following complaints that several children... Okay, so to describe the bottle, it is not shaped as Sonic. It's a normal ketchup bottle shape. No, no, it's just a Norton ketchup bottle, but it's just Sonic sort of drawn on the label and stretched around it. It's Sonic shaped like a bottle, not a bottle (laughs) shaped like Sonic. (laughs) So that everything from above the logo to the top is Sonic's face. And it Mm. says here that the product was withdrawn from sale in 1992 following complaints that several children were traumatised by seeing Sonic leaking blood from a sizable head wound. I don't know if they were just (laughs) making that up for a joke for this blog, but if it's true... It means it was red. Yes, it does, rather. And also that this lad's had it on his shelf for three years. He's also got the cuddly toys, the manual for Sonic 1, the box for Sonic 3, a different pencil case, a yes. little Sonic figure. Oh, that's the, one from the, the, that's the one from the crackers, the little the Sonic cracker figure. figure. Just spotted it. He's got the pinball game, he's got the sticker album that was given away free, and the absolute yes. P.S. de mucky resistance. <laughs> I have to assume it's been washed out by his mum and now sits on the shelf empty rather than being a sealed one a tin of hp sonic pasta shapes and tomato sauce yes well i'd be all right if it was a sealed one wouldn't it i mean it would be weird (laughs) that the kid would have it on his shelf instead of eating it first he'd be putting it on ebay now though that's the thing yes that's the sort of thing that you would buy and you and i would would eat on a sofa for youtube um, I will agree to half of that. <laughs> You'd buy it? Yes. <laughs> or that I would eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. 
that's that's Tom Swindell. Then we've got Tam James and Peter Mitchell with a sneaky Stay Sonic peeping over Tony Takushi's Sonic 2 Golden Guidebook. Have a look to the left of the to our left of the TV in the background. What do you think? Is that just the top and corner of Stay Sonic right at the back there? Could well be. I think it is. But they've got plenty of stuff. They've got the badges which are out of the crackers, so they had those as well. They've got the guidebook. They've got the uh, Mega Drive. Power Tip Books 1 and 2. Yeah, and they've got uh, Sonic 2 and Sonic Spinball. Two of them. Only two of them have got matching Sonic t-shirts. The third, the smallest, doesn't have, but he does have amazing rainbow-coloured glasses, so I'm going to let him off. Yeah, they're quite nice. (laughs) Yeah. We can only see, like, the bottom bit of it there, but they've also got the poster from issue 3 on the wall. Mm. We didn't know what that poster was at the time, but I have since discovered it. It's the cover to the adventure game book Metal Metal City City Mayhem. Mayhem. And on the other side, there's a landscape poster of the helicopter game Steel Talons. Oh. And they've got the right side up. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, that isn't... There's absolutely no doubt which side you should have. Yes. It's ridiculous that we can identify it best on an explosion and a whooshing drum, but we know (laughs) (laughs) that's where we are. Uh, who else we got here? I'd love um, to have that poster now. I might have to look into it. Well, it's on eBay, as they say. No, I don't want it. I don't want it folded up out of the comic. I want like a print. Oh, okay. Well, you <laughs> can probably iron it. <laughs> oh, look! I've just spotted on top of their TV, disguised against the Power Tips book, the little Christmas cracker toys. So they were getting camouflaged in front of the Power Tips book, but they've got a water fun game. They do, and they have the Xmas Deco there and as the well. And the Xmas Deco from yeah. issue fourteen. <laughs> Ankush Darawal from Newcastle upon Tyne is showing off his Sonic Gym Jams. And um, (laughs) Daniel Rabson and David Sullivan are desperately trying to avoid a fight with each other, frankly. It looks like uh, the way this particular (laughs) photo has been staged, where each one is holding a Mega Drive control pad and both are fervently gripping with the. (laughs) intensity of a thousand suns a single copy of the box of sonic 3 between them yes Ooh, for dear life they're holding on to that <laughs> we can only guess at their relationship they have different last names so they're perhaps that's it if they were brothers yes i, I would uh, well I mean, they may be stepbrothers who knows they may be. But, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. but it could be that one of them is around the other one's house but put it this way the picture has a tremendous brotherly energy about doesn't it, it? yes <laughs> yes okay <laughs> yeah the the bill and ted of british sonic fans here uh, they're, they're two heads better than one but whoever it is that owns the stuff we can see in the background which is mostly just random sega and they haven't done their whole house up the way the mm. others have although they have got sonic 3 running on the tv at the background yes they have got two what is now extremely rare and may have been at the time because i never saw it in real life special edition sonic 3 pin sets i thought that's what those were yeah um in which you get three pins per box and they're padded little little tin boxes little, with padding little inside. padded box yeah, yeah. And, and the the badges on display in one you get sonic tails and some logo or another in the other you get sonic knuckles and a sonic 3 uh, logo that the knuckles if you see the well all of them really they're very crudely drawn it's Mm-mm. You know, badges were hard to make in those days. You couldn't just put any old drawing into the machine. I don't know how they did it. But what I will say about those pins is that hashtag Knuckles was pink. Yeah, he was. <laughs> pink. Pink. And that's all the photos. How's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine photos of kids and their Sonic swag. And I don't know how often we'll be seeing these double size graphic and photo zones in the immediate future. Like graphic zones have become almost a regular fixture in a very short space of time Mm. recently. And double page ones would become the norm 
as time went on. But again, we're in this transitionary period. See, I don't, it's, it's funny. We've been talking about this year as the pinnacle of the golden age, as mm-hmm. all the great, great stuff that's coming. But now that we're a couple of issues into it, I'm remembering, I'm, I'm realizing it was also quite a transitionary year mm-hmm. in as much as what took up space in the comic and, and what features started to dominate over other ones. And I don't remember... You know, I remember the stories well, but I don't remember the material surrounding them and exactly how and when those things would start to overlap and consume one another. So I'm going to be interested in seeing how that goes and and what it means for this Mm. podcast. Yes. I mean, what are we to do if we cannot talk about how much this particular child needs a slap? (laughs) You get the news zone or you get that, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. News. Tom Swindle needs a slap. Sorry, Tom. If you're out there, write in. Yeah. We'll make an, a judgment. No, no, I was going to say something. <laughs> we'll make a reassessment. Yes. <laughs> Sonic's World. Enter the Cybernic Part 2, written by Lou Stringer, with art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Steve Potter. Shorty the Squirrel is converted into the first irreversible super badnik, the Cybernic. But the damage he managed to do to the Badnik programming console, coupled with his own stubborn personality, allows him to resist the brainwashing and retain his free will. He pretends to be under Robotnik's control long enough to lead a Badnik attack on the Emerald Hill Zone, whereupon he reveals the truth and blasts the Badniks, freeing his friends within. Man, Short Fuse is uh, great, isn't he? Uh, Yes. uh, We don't get too deep into who and what he is, but... Doesn't he look tremendous? Like, yeah. Isn't oh, it a, yeah. We were, I mean, Abby was making this point last issue, but now that we see him truly mm. in action, isn't it a tremendous design, though? It really is. Yeah, it's just a really cool robot squirrel, like, mech suit kind of a looking thing. I've never quite understood. Is this a reference? Why has he got two little pokey-outy bits on the end of his tail? I've never quite known. They're ailerons. They're flight stabilizers. Oh, are they? <laughs> Because he can fly. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. And like, we're not quite here with it yet. I don't, to be honest, I don't know quite whenever the stories would put this spin on the idea of the Cybernik, but he will, going forward, be played as an actual factual superhero. You yeah. know, Sonic is a super hero. Yes. But Short Fuse will be a superhero. Yes. Like a fool and proper crime fighter that will be his raison d'etre to the point that like in future stories whenever they overthrow robotnik he has to like start you know picking apples or whatever he's got (laughs) because he has no job anymore because (laughs) there's no calls for a superhero anymore he's got like little wrist guns and you know and 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 he he can because he's a superhero he can fly so i don't maybe maybe that was always the mission statement that stringer had with the character and that's why he can fly because you know flight is not an inherent badnik capability it's a little bit like having a metal sonic on their side isn't it yeah yeah. i was making the point last issue he's just got a great one-line concept he is the badnik who went good but there actually aren't any real shortage of rebellious badniks you know, even in STC alone, we're going to have some really? very exciting stuff with Metallics before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll meet Brutus before the end of the year as well. Mm-hmm. Ah, so not rebellious in the sense of being goodies, just rebellious against Robotnik. No, you see, they are baddie baddies, the enemy yes. of my enemies. But Short Fuse is the good badnik. Yes. He's not the badnik who went bad, he's the badnik who went good. Yes. And that is, that's a great one-line concept. You know, he's a badnik who went good and he can't be freed from the armor the fact that he's trapped in there forever it doesn't really ever make much explicit case for why he can't ever leave it's you know i don't know if it's because he's 
physically fused to it or what it is. It's what it sounds like, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's never any real... It's not that it's made of a tougher material, that it can't be shattered. Or the, the, the fact that the programming hasn't taken over his mind, it's not some kind of, you know in the brain thing that can't be reversed but uh, there's just for some reason the armor can't be removed but you look at this design and you wouldn't believe this design came from the same guy who drew the sonic strip in this issue no there are myriad differences between the roberto corona art of this strip Mm. and the opening strip and it's hard to pin down why exactly because i mean corona colors the first strip himself Mm -hmm. but john m burns colors this one and this is a much more vibrant strip color wise and that's down to burns that could be it. it does become hard to say exactly how much of the difference we perceive between the two strips is just down to the coloring and how much yeah. there's a difference somewhere else because you wanted to point about it with grimer well yes nowhere is this illustrated more clearly than in grimer you'll remember that last issue we uh, went off at some great length about how weird grimer looks and again here he does he's this very it just looks like a man. He's just a human Grimer, except with this huge brow ridge and little black eyes. Yeah, it's the little black eyes that really get you. Little in the sense that they're squinty. They're sort of only mm. half open. And they're and he's doing the hand-wringing yeah. thing again that he was doing in the first hearing. But he looks more like a human man than not. And yet, in the opening strip of this same issue, Roberto Corona draws Grimer like Grimer. There's Mm. absolutely no comment to be passed about differences between his Sonic Strip Grimer and, say, Richard Elson's, because it's just same design but drawn by somebody else. And I think that speaks again to the fact that there was Richard Elson reference material being passed Mm, around. I don't know why I remember this, right, but I always remember this. I don't even think it was in the comic. I might have read it somewhere else. But anyway, Elson described the way he built the design of Grimer is that he would always describe his head as being composed of two inverted interlocking triangles. Yes. So it's like there's one triangle is the peak of his head and the bottom two points of it are his cheekbones and then an upside down triangle layered on top of that where the point of that one pointing downwards is the point of his chin and the two other points are his eyebrows. Yes. So Grimer's head is like these two and that is how Grimer's head is shaped in the first story. Yes. But it's not in Sonic's world. No, not at all. So it, it really seems like, yeah, that Richard Elson art direction is at work. So the Enter the Cybernet was drawn sometime before the big con is the exciting conclusion <laughs> that we can draw from this study. And now the exciting conclusion. So there we go. That's that sorted out. As for this actual strip, I love Short Fuse and I didn't... I think I was fairly neutral towards him originally, purely because... He wasn't Knuckles, maybe, you know? I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, you were just wanting more Knuckles action. And instead, you were getting an original character strip. I think that was what it was. I think at that time, I was starting to, especially since we've now had the Christmas where I get my Mega Drive, I think I'm more interested in game stuff at this moment than I am in... I've never had anything against, you know, original characters in the comic, but for one to be the focus and the main character in a strip, even though he's just made up for this, yeah, yeah, that's an extra step, and I don't think I ever fully appreciated it. In the interests of seeming as unhypocritical as possible, <laughs> that is the same point we make about all the Archie stuff. Yes. But the difference with STC is, 
that STC only had about three significant original mm. characters that achieved this level of notoriety, Techno, Short Fuse, and Captain Plunder. Yeah. And um, isn't it mad that Captain Plunder's going to get his own strip before Techno even shows up? Yeah. I did not remember things happening in that order, <laughs> by the way. Back to the business. And, you know, they come in here now two years into the run of the comic, mm. nearly 50 issues before yeah. they're starting to get this level of attention versus... Archie, where they were there from the first issue. Mm, yeah, that's the the simple difference that the approach the two series took that will keep them apart in our minds forever. Yes, ours started with a scenario based directly on the games and the animals and creatures in the games, and then layered upon stuff because you had to. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. not enough going on in the games on its own. We've said that many times. You have to add things to continue telling stories about it. Yeah. and then the Archie stuff was just like, no, f- the games. We'll just make shit up from day one. <laughs> That's yeah. the simple difference between them and Yeah, the, in the Archie comics, it's so as if the games didn't happen that when they do occasionally do what is ostensibly yeah. an adaptation of one of the games, it feels weird. Yes, well, we were just, uh, Abby was just talking last episode about the Sonic Quest miniseries yeah. they were doing, I don't know, probably around this time in America. Turns out they didn't get around to it till the end of next year. Which is basically just sort of, that's where the Death Egg is introduced and they sort of smush the plots of Sonic 2, 3, and Knuckles. Mm. Not really, but that's just sort of what it is. That that's the death egg bit into that into that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Odd, isn't it? Well anyway, yeah, but now, this time though, going back and reading this, I love short fuse now. Like I did not realise how anti fash he was. Like I didn't remember <laughs> what a little trooper he was before and like how like here he is screaming in Robotnik's face, Dream on Lard Belly, like in a way that really only Sonic dares to do out of even the rest of the heroes of the comic, this guy was a little brawler. And then he gets put into this machine, and now he's just powered up. Like, Robotnik better watch out now that this thing exists. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the story, he hears of this, and uh, what is he It appears the Cybernik has a free mind, Doctor. This presents us with quite a problem. It presents us with no problem, Grimer. I created the Cybernik. And he goes off into Hangar 18 and bursts out in this souped-up egomatic with guns and shit on it, and he goes, And I will destroy him. <laughs> yes, Hangar 18 is where... Robotnik keeps his egomatics. Hangar 17, of course, was a music and variety show for 9 to 13 year olds hosted by Mickey Hutton. Way I man, welcome to Hangar 17. Gaza study kick, Ganon Yem, don't forget the legs, high it up, get Dune, Ganon Rune the tune, dance extravaganza. Okay? If you say so. Don't remember, don't remember <laughs> Hangar 17, I'm afraid. <laughs> Next issue Robotnik versus Cybernik. Better than a Bruno fight. I can't imagine it's true, right? But I feel like the fact that they spelled out versus here, V-E-R-S-U-S, instead mm. of just V-S dot, mm. I feel like that might have been my first exposure to that as a kid. Oh, really? Like, I always knew that vs meant versus. <laughs> right. But I don't know that if I ever saw the word versus <laughs> spelled out like that before in anything. Right. With the weird things that you remember. But <laughs> so I'll be interested to see how Short Fuse going forward is written, because I guess I always thought of him as a little kind of goody two-shoes kind of hero and uh he ain't that and now i'll be reading it with a different tone in mind that's something i always remember is that i don't really remember him having the edge that shorty the angry anti-fash squirrel Mm. had in in the first two parts of this story he becomes and yeah to my memory i just remember this the superhero approach to the character yeah although as i say I, i don't even think i really 
recognised that that's how he was being played then. No. As a superhero, you know. No, I just thought of him as cute and a robot, or at least, you know, in a robot. So, yeah, I, I, yes, this is going to be interesting to read with adult eyes. I think this is only a three-parter, so I think the next issue is the last part of this uh, introductory story. Yeah. It can't be long till he comes back, though, can it? I think he might meet Knuckles in a one-part <laughs> story first, and then okay. come back, and then in his second story, like, he meets Techno, I think. Uh, and, that's, so that, and that's all this year. Now we've got a full page that we haven't had before, but we have talked about before. Do you remember that when Robotnik got his own strip, I recognised one panel of it, which was... Yes, from the Christmas special. The Christmas special. Robotnik was sitting in bed, and he was, he'd was he been caught reading a teen romance book. A soppy magazine. Yes, and I, I was like, why do I recognise this so much? And Chris informed me that it was because they used it as a subscription page. And here it is. They've uh, photoshopped, or whatever it was he did in those days, Sonic the Comic over the top of the book. Although it's such a generic STC cover, it's just that clip art of Sonic's that winking face. winking Sonic face, yeah. The STC logo and the phrase Sonic is cool along the top of it. <laughs> um, but it says, Danger! Deranged dictator at work. STC issues robot nicked. Latest diabolical plan from Dr. Robotnik means some boomers are finding copies of STC hard to find. Beat Robotnik. Take out a subscription to Sonic the Comic now. And then there's a cutout uh, STC subscription form, which uh, you pay £31.40 for a one-year UK subscription or six months for £16, and you send it off to Fleetway Editions Limited. Sonic the Comic Subs Department, AIM Limited, PO Box 10, Pallion Industrial Estate, Sunderland, SR46SN. Oh, that's right. Yes, we've seen that before, haven't we? Where you have to, it's from the same as in the back issue zone, wasn't it? You have to send yeah. it off to, you're not sending to Tavistock Place here. No. Sending to wherever they ship and pack them. Yeah. So, subscribe today, uh, boomers, or just hit the subscribe button on this podcast. It's a simpler yeah. way of doing it. <laughs> Q-Zone. Q-Zone. Such as it is. It's a Lion King special, mm-hmm. part one in the Q-Zone today. Walt Disney's most successful animated feature film ever, The Lion King, was beautifully converted to the Mega Drive by Top Software House Virgin using Disney's very own animators. God, they love to push that point they home, know. don't they? SDC's game guru Dave Gibbon has worked his joy back to the bone, compiling the solution to this blockbuster. And the detailed solution for the Pride Lands, level one. A fairly easy level, which shouldn't pose too many problems. <laughs> From the start, get to the top and go right. Yeah, yeah, fucking on your ball there, Dave. Well done. Well, Chris, you're not lying. If we weren't in the middle of recording a podcast, I'd hang up on you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Marco's Magic Football, Part 6, written by Lou Stringer, art by Gary Andrews, and letters by Steve Potter. Stringer and Potter earning that paper in this issue, three strips <laughs> each. Marco is confronted by Colonel Brown, wearing an armoured suit that protects him from the magic football. But a well-aimed shot from Marco knocks the evil Colonel into a pile of his own green sludge, which reacts with the suit's electronics and blows up the entire tower. Marco makes it safely home, where Captain Smirk reappears to congratulate him on a job well done. Yeah, there we go. That's what happens in Marco's Magic Football. Um, 
I have very little comment to make. It's largely the same experience we've had up till now. Chris is going to yeah. have the same complaints. I'm going to have the same warm feelings about the cartooniness and <laughs> the fact that someone drew a comic of a game. I think that's what it is. I think the reason I accept this, even though, yes, it is a bit weird that they're just going, now I'll do this boss, now I'll do a football at you or whatever, is the fact that someone did just straight up make a comic of a game. It's almost as if yeah. he keeps pausing to draw the next panel, you know? Like, as a whole, I completely understand the warm feelings you have yeah. for it. It is a video game translated yep. into the sort of British kids comic mm. humor strip you might see in Buster. Yes. I mean, that's exactly... It's the, it's the Buster vibes that that's are doing exactly it for what it you. Is. Yeah. And it completely succeeds at being that... And it seems to me the level of enjoyment you will experience for that will be influenced by how many fond memories you have for Buster. Yeah. And this is not me in any way saying that it is like bad at what it sets out nope. to do. Like as a mission statement, it accomplishes it very well. It's just not very interesting to me. As an adaptation, it's the dullest possible way of adapting the game into comic strip form. It just goes from one level to the next. The baddies are there. I mean, it does that thing that I never like in any adaptation of anything, and it's not just a comic strip or an STC yeah. thing, where they put a game mechanic in and then say, well, that was silly, wasn't it? <laughs> they don't actually make any... You know, like whenever he kicks the yeah. football at the baddies and they disappear, and he's like, don't know where they went. And I'm like... Well, I mean, you're writing it, so you could explain where they went, but you didn't. Yeah, I think I did my own, you know, I drew comics of games back in those days or just talked to myself while I was playing them. And it would always be that the character would do the thing from the game and then they go, well, that was weird. Whoa, that's so weird. <laughs> Let me be very clear. It's not anywhere on the same level as it. But it was like when Wonder Boy made fun of the jellyfishes for jumping up to be platforms mm. for him. And I'm like... Don't, don't do that, you know. Right, yeah. But, uh, I mean, Marco's not nearly as guilty of anything as egregious as that. It was really just the kicking the ball and leaving it at that. Yeah, moment. the difference is that Marco, it, it's a better attitude from Marco because he is literally just a real boy in a real town. That's true. Who's... And also, of course, this is a much more humorous strip. And Wonder Boy was trying to be straight, making a gag about it in a humor strip comes off better. You know? Yes, whereas Wonder Boy was sort of of a piece with the fantasy world himself, with his blue hair and his armour and all yeah. of that sort of stuff. So it was it sat less well. I tell you what, I would have loved this comic more if I had myself been a fan of this game. Had sure, I if yeah, I had yeah. that game, I, I would have loved for this sort of adaptation of something like, you know, games I did have Dizzy, Super Frog. Stuff that mm -hmm. I just did play, and there was no reason to expect anyone outside my house to be interested in at all. For it to just pop up in comic form would have been tremendously exciting, and I think that is what I'm channeling. I think that's what I'm reading this with, with through the eyes of, through the lens of. Like how Lemmings showed up in Max Overload, and it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Have we mentioned on the show we discovered Max Overload only had like two or three issues? Mm, yeah, I don't know if we have, but it did. We've mentioned Max Overload before, that was the... Uh just like the other video yes. game comic that was kicking about and they did strips of lemmings and chuck rock toad jam and earl yeah. and chuck rock and it lasted two maybe three issues yeah no i think it is two i think we found out it was two because i was like oh then i had them all it turns out <laughs> yeah. that's why i didn't have any more <laughs> yeah well next time we're allowed to actually meet up in person perhaps i'll try and dig them out and we can do a special hey an amiga power patreon special episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't want to call it bad, because, as I say, it, it it succeeds at what it sets out to be. I just don't think what it sets out to be is a particularly ambitious or exciting thing. Do you know, what's really weird about it, and, and worth mentioning, is that 
Captain Smirk plays a big role again, even though he's not from the game. Well, is a big role. He's in three panels. Well, yes, but those three panels are basically the conclusion, and he sort of turns up to be the, like, yeah, well done, you saved the day, kid, sort of, yeah. you know, bookend character, even though he's got nothing to do with it. Captain's log started some Saturday evening. The boy Marco has exceeded the future of Earth. Saved. <laughs> Captain Smirk, did I do it? Did I change history? Uh, maybe. We've mislaid the history books for this era, so we're not 100% sure. <laughs> he just leaves it at that. And he disappears and going, beam me up, Paddy. There's a, one more thing I'll mention about the artwork in this, which is that I... You know how I've said before, especially when we started on Marco, that I was like, mm. oh, I can feel what it's like to draw like this. I actually think it had more of a palpable influence on me art-wise than I knew. It Specifically, I'm looking at these unusual eyes that they all have particularly Marco and his mum in the last panel which kind of radiate this, out yeah. from the nose and you know almost point away and then join up again in the middle and I have this memory that I drew like that for a while that's how I drew eyes for a while and the reason I can remember this is that a fellow boy from my class pointed out why does everyone have upside down scrotums for eyes and, uh, <laughs> and that was the last of that I stopped drawing eyes like that from then on so yeah, did I get them from this, or were, was I and this artist both reacting to the same movement that was going on in cartooning generally? Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, we end with his mum calling him back in. Where have you been? You said you'd be back for tea time. Just have any kick about, ma'am. You'll do no one any good kicking a ball about all day, my lad. Good old mum. If only she knew. And then we end on a shot of, like, a bit of green sludge going... <laughs> out of a sewer grid <laughs> and it's the end question mark want to see more of marco and stc vote right yeah scream we're listening and there never would be never perhaps would not be to anyone's end. great surprise <laughs> it doesn't strike me as any great surprise that nobody voted to see more of this although to be honest we are kind of at a point wherever they weren't they were doing things and then not bringing them back anyway so i suppose i yeah. can't say for sure if that was because nobody asked for it or not as an adaptation it's very checking the boxes off just you know what you need is the right sort of game you know i'd love to see a super frog or something like this i would have been happy to see him do more of these but for it has to be a silly sort of game dizzy yeah this is true he'd be grand at dizzy he would yeah yeah yeah. As much as I know of Dizzy, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, that's the thing is, like, whatever you want to say about it, the strip is certainly of a piece. I think I was pointing this out last issue, or maybe an issue before. The strip is very of a piece with the sort of the sense of humour mm. of the game itself. That that British northern uh, humour. Yeah. It's it's fine. Like, I mean, I I haven't hated it or anything. No. It's not been a Mark Isles Tales, for goodness sakes. <laughs> but um, it definitely hasn't thrilled me the way that you have in, it is it has inspired such fond memories with you apparently it's just i'm just perfectly satisfied with this whole thing yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> i promise if i'm ever asked to write an adaptation of a game i will consult with chris before i hand it in <laughs> luke holland from castleton uh writes in to say dear stc i'm a big rugby fan and i think sonic could run will carling into the ground with his speed no problem that's it it's a, a bit of a weird letter you get the impression this is one of those letters that there was more and they just cut it down to the relevant sound bite don't you uh, yes megadroid replies no contest luke maybe our spiky blue hero could even show those rugger humes a thing or two about defense tactics mm. sports I'm, I'm is it bored yeah. already yeah right 
Matt Winter of Whitney Oxford says, Dear Megadroid, are all video games, brackets, including sports sims, going to have age limits put on them? Why would you write to Megadroid about that? I don't know. I mean, he says, They sure are, Matt. Enforced by ELSPA, the European Leisure Software Publishers Association, the aim is to provide a suitability guide similar to that provided by movie ratings. Find on the back of the game packaging the ages range from 3 to 10, 11 to 14, 15 to 17, and 18 plus, with suitability indicated by a tick. Now, we have heard mention of this system yes. in a news zone a long time ago. Yes. And yet, it's uh, since February of 94 that the Elspar rating system has been in place. So, um, Matt is asking a little late, but mm. Mm, that's been out there. And yeah, they, so they would last until, like, what, the early 2000s, didn't they? And then the, the Peggy system, we you know, Peggy 18 yes. that we see in ads today came in, yeah. The only reason I can think of for Matt Winter to have written this question into Megadroid is because of when they said that it was going to happen in STC. I don't think they ever actually gave a date in STC. See, no. my my thinking for Matt's asking in was because um, Mammy said no to a game. Oh, you could be right. <laughs> he, he got told no, he couldn't have a game because it had an age on it. Yeah. And now he's discovering that there's no getting around that system. It's going to be on everything from now on. Oh, no, Matt. Hang in there. 18 will come one day. This letter is titled Dr. B.O. Right. <laughs> Dear Megadroid, I am a bit concerned because I think that Dr. Robotnik probably smells of rotten eggs. <laughs> also, if this is true, why doesn't he use a deodorant? Amy Wright from Roxburghshire, Scotland, writes in, uh, and Megatroid replies, Perhaps, Amy, that beneath his rotten exterior, he's ozone-friendly. <laughs> I mean, he does smell of rotten eggs. I think you and I have mutually we know agreed this upon for this. For sure, it was, in, yeah. it was in Stay Sonic, wasn't it? I don't think you need to be concerned. Yeah, it's, it's the concern. Imagine a little worried face. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm just a bit concerned because I think that Dr. Robotnik probably smells of rotten eggs. You'll be all right, Amy. It's the charming innocence of use to think that A, he doesn't, and B, that he doesn't like smelling like that and being on. Yeah, is that what it is? Is she feeling him? bad for him that he's he might be upset by, about smelling like rotten eggs? Yeah, you don't. You honestly don't need to worry about it, Amy. It's, it's, it'll be all right. I think it'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. I think Robotnik will be fine. And we've got uh, two pictures on a theme, and the theme is Shinobi. Mm. But it's pictures of Sonic and Tails as dressed Shinobi. up as Shinobi. Yep, yep. That's all there is to say, really. The Sonic is a is a Sonic that they've copied from the comic somewhere, but with a, a bandana and a black belt, of course, and a sword. See, this is very familiar to me, but I can't remember no. where from, you know? And uh, it's funny because I feel like this this image, this drawing with the sword is the, the one that's in my memory. <laughs> Rather than the original, whatever yeah. it is they've copied it from. Just looking at it, I'm going to guess it's from the Sonic CD stories. Because it's got that mouth we were talking about that Richard Elson used to draw. That little streak of cheek at the edge of it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But then there's a picture of Tails, which is definitely not copied from an, any actual drawing nope. of Tails. It's more of a drawing of Shinobi, but then essentially his face is coloured orange, and he's got Tails-y sort of eyes. And the tuft of Tails hair poking through his hat. The Tails eyes are crossed with that kind of eyes we've talked about how boys used to draw when they were being mm. cartoonists in those days. I wonder if there is something about the name Robert Lee Crawley. I wonder if we've had him before, and he drew Duh. something like this. It's it a familiar art style, but anyway... It's a lot more detailed than the Sonic one. It's drawn with pencils, I think, and it's sort of fiddlier. And yeah, these are just uh, essentially included to remind us that there's a new Shinobi story starting next issue. Shall we dip into our mailbag, dude? Yes, we flipping well shall. We haven't been in there in ages, and it's starting to get stuffed again. We have David Page from Glasgow writes in, Greetings, furry scum! Brackets. <laughs> Sorry, Rise and shine! made me laugh so hard. 
First time writer here, born in lovely Glasgow, I picked up my Sonic issue one from day one in the then brand new Sainsbury's across the road from home and stuck with it till it began to be pretty much a reprint comic in its twilight years. Listening to your podcast has opened up so many memories in my 37-year-old butt. Is that where you keep your memories, David? (laughs) Uh, And it is so weird that I came across the podcast by complete accident. See... I wanted to do a podcast similar to the fantastic Space Spinner 2000 podcast in which two Americans go through 2000 AD, four issues at Hmm. a time. And since I have an American friend who knows bugger all about Sonic, I kind of wanted to shamelessly uh, uh, borrow their format, but with STC. I wanted to see if STC had a podcast of its own. I assumed it being obscure to all, but old yins like me... I can't just say old yins in my English accent. Uh, no, we're going to try harder at that one. I'm going to say oldens. I assumed it being obscure to all but oldens like me that this comic would not have an ongoing potty of its own. But here we are, and I'm so glad I found it. You two lads are fantastic hosts, and I absolutely adore the podcast in general. You keep bringing them out, I'll keep listening. Toot toot, Sonic Boomers, David Page. You name it, Sega console owner, I owned all of the bloody things. <laughs> hey... Hey. Flattery will get you everywhere, David. Good to have you on board, David. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Sorry to uh, rob you of the opportunity to do a podcast. I know. Own. Yeah, it's a shame, but uh, Yabu sucks. We got there first. Next, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've another letter from Hunter Ives, who says, "Dear Humes, who think they're in charge? First off, I love the podcast. I first heard about the series from watching Chris's Transformers: The Basics series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yes. Color me surprised when I downloaded the first episode." And the co-host was Dave, Hi. whom I had started following on YouTube years ago, thanks to his video game music. <laughs> Let me just say this podcast is very listenable and fascinating, even to an American boomer like myself. As a fan of pop culture, listening to you both talk about popular 90s media in the UK has been really interesting to me. Now I know what the big breakfast is. <laughs> I was never really into Sonic growing up and was definitely among the, what I now know to be misguided, <laughs> consensus online that Sonic and Sonic games were bad, let me say that this podcast and STC have made me a huge fan of the spiky blue one. The first Sonic game I ever really played was Sonic Mania. Wow. And as a fan of comics, these are exactly the Sonic stories I would have loved to read growing hey. up. In the US, I think the closest thing to STP I had in my childhood was the Nickelodeon magazine. Oh. It would have multi-part strips about SpongeBob and other Nickelodeon-themed puzzles and games and letters, too. Anywho, this letter is getting long in the tooth. Thanks again for the podcast. Bye for now, boomers. Regards, Hunter, age 23, from North Carolina. Not a Mega Drive owner. (laughs) Well, there's still time. Get yourself a Mega Drive Mini. (laughs) I love to hear the ones from across the water, you know? Yeah. Knowing that we've reached the international audience. I know. And that they get it. Yes! (laughs) It's working. We're casting our little spell upon them. (laughs) Thanks very much for the letter, Hunter. It's, it's, uh, I just, I just love it. I love to hear these things. Yeah. I remember, I've seen that a few times now. It's like somebody who came to the show because I posted about it on YouTube or through my Twitter or on on your end of things. And then they're shocked to discover that the other host, whether they're coming from your side or from your side, is someone that they also know from something else. And they're amazed to discover that we know each other and they're working on something together and they get excited. And uh, that's great too. It's lovely, isn't it? People who enjoy the stuff we do. Yeah. Yeah, that was really nice. We got on here from Malik who says, Greetings from America, humans who think they're in charge. My name's Malik, I'm 19, so we've got young boomers and American boomers and young American boomers going on here. 
I'm so glad you're all listening, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I'm 19, and I started reading the Fleetway Sonic comics when I was in fifth grade. One of the few positives to that otherwise crappy point in my life. Oh, sorry to hear it, but hey, yeah, that was not far off from when the age we were reading it, really, is it? Of course, one thing I noticed when I read it was that its version of Sonic was snide, bossy, even more egotistical than most claimed Archie Sonic was, and he had a tendency to be a jerk to his friends. Sometimes it got to the point I couldn't help but think, are you sure we're supposed to root for this guy? Granted, I guess it can be attributed to a multitude of factors. Archie Sonic, for one, mostly grew up with his uncle Chuck, so he had a parental figure to guide him. <laughs> Fleetway Sonic, on the other hand, is for all rights and purposes an orphan, and didn't have a parental figure to teach him basic manners and how to not be a jerk. Ah, fair enough! <laughs> That's a fair enough assessment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, we, <laughs> Sophocles obviously didn't do a very good job. There's more to that email, but the rest was showing us various bits of fan art and fanfic that obviously we can't read out on here. Keep it up, though. I remember how much fun that stuff is to do. Thanks for that, Malik. I'm so glad that people who, like, definitely didn't grow up with this have something to enjoy <laughs> in it. Yeah, if you're 19, you definitely didn't definitely grow up with this. Definitely did not. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, if you're 19, Sonic the Comics stopped publishing original material before you were born. Wow. Yeah. Here's one from Alistair Pitt, who's written to us before, and says, Hi again, guys. Alistair here. Getting in touch for a second time. Still enjoying the podcast, much as ever. (laughs) Good. Let us know if you ever fall off. Like, Alistair here. Hate it now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) In your Patreon recaps of the Martin Adams Sonic novels, one of those bits of largely forgotten prototypical Sonic ephemera that I've always known about but never actually read myself, much like the various European comics that were doing things that Ken Penders still takes credit for years before he did them. (laughs) (laughs) You have run into a mole character. Now, combined with your mentions of Knuckles in said episodes and the fact that you've been reviewing a clutch of Knuckles stories in the main show lately, I was reminded of another piece of largely forgotten Sonic ephemera, namely the anime movie from the late 90s. That's Mm. something that fascinated me endlessly 20 years ago and still does today. I bring it up because in that movie, Knuckles is not an echidna, but rather a mole. Is that right? Um, the English dub. Yeah, I was going to say, is that a translation mole, situation? I'm sure it yeah. must be, yes. Did they... the dub people not know about Knuckles the Echidna and thought, well, that's a mm. weird word, they must mean mole. <laughs> it is certainly a very strange choice. What about that movie isn't? But I will put this to you. Is it really any stranger than the fact that they chose an Echidna of all animals to be a major Sonic character? I think I'm so used to the character being Knuckles the Echidna that I don't stop to think about how strange it truly is that Knuckles is such an obscure creature and nobody ever thinks twice about it. You get so close to things, you do forget stuff like that. Yeah. It's true of a lot of, like, aspects. You, you, like, Sylvester Stallone's first name is <laughs> Sylvester. Yeah. You know, you a mole might almost make more sense because people have heard of moles. Perhaps it's just that Knuckles the Mole doesn't have quite the same ring. Although it might be amusing to imagine all his dialogue. As written by Brian Jakes. Or, reminding you not to be stealing our Chaos Emeralds, Hurdy Burr. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, and depending on when you read this, <laughs> I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> kind regards, Alison. <laughs> not too far back off in the real world recording times. Uh, yes. I think it was just because he was a spiny animal, really. You know, they were looking for another kind of, of spiky animal to go along with, with a hedgehog, weren't they? Yeah, moles not really spiky, are they? No. And I mean, can you imagine Knuckles the mole flying in the UK where moles are tiny, timid creatures who live in burrows exactly. half-blind? And in fiction, I mean, you know, Wind of the Willows style. Yeah. Did you ever meet an aggressive mole in a, in a British children's storybook? Yeah. No, what it is is that an echidna to look at is a hedgehog with a long nose they're very similar to hedgehogs in fact they're kind of a cross between that and porcupine that's the other thing i constantly have to remind myself that to americans hedgehogs are obscure animals anyway yeah you do forget that yeah, yeah. so to them like echidnas hedgehogs interchangeably obscure i think <laughs> I suppose so. okay 
Thanks for that one, Alistair. And finally, here's one from Adrian Wood, who says, Hello, Humes who think you're in charge, Adrian here, and I wanted to send a quick email to thank you for filling in a little bit of the backstory of my life. I've been meaning <laughs> to send this for ages. And I figured, oh, no time like the present. Well, actually, funny story, I did send this way back in April, except I mistyped the email address. Whoops. I never read STC as a child, and I'm enjoying vicariously getting to experience it all for the first time through yourselves. But as it turns out, that isn't entirely true. See, way back in your first episode, I was surprised and delighted to hear you discuss the start of the Shinobi story, The Fear Pavilion, because I had that! The standalone combined whole story thing, whatever the yeah, term the is. Book. Yeah, the the I guess the term the is trade paperback, book, yeah. if you will. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that an aunt or something had bought me this, probably on holiday to Skegness, I was going to keep you quiet, and I loved it. Uh, uh, yeah, the perfect natural habitat of those books is in a newsagent on the way to Skeggy. Like, or while you're there, you know? That's where you'd get them, on the rack. And I loved it. I had no idea it was from Sonic the Comic. I assumed there must be some specific Shinobi comic that was probably from America or something, because at the time, anything cool you found that you didn't recognise, it was from America, of course. <laughs> Good point. It was. <laughs> when I first tried to send this back in April, I had no idea where my copy was, but I actually found it a couple of months ago. <laughs> Presumably rather confusing you when I started tweeting you with my discovery, thinking you already knew I was looking for it, unaware you never actually got the original email, and so I had absolutely no idea what I was on about. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the tweet. So thanks very much for making a lovely, cheery podcast that's filled in a little mystery I've been wondering out for decades. All the best, Adrian. And I already know Adrian, so hello, Adrian. Yeah, um, I'm hoping there's a lot in this podcast that uh, does that for people. Even if it's just the talk of Frosties, Frosties and exactly. Pips yeah. and Sonic Spinball Sweets, that there is that little memory is sparked. Yeah. Every couple of episodes, we uncover something that for someone is going to be, oh yeah, that! I mean, I am really interested to move into the later years of this mm. and the stuff from when we were we were getting a little bit older and maybe weren't as focused on childish things if you if you will you know and the toys and things that will be advertised then are things that we will have felt we aged up out of yeah you know it's gonna be a whole other world honestly like right now we are deep in it yeah from megazords to frosties to pastels to whatever you know <laughs> it's gonna be a whole other world come 1998 1999 yeah that's isn't it don't you think yeah i don't think of anything in common between those years i know they're only five years apart yeah. but <laughs> Who knows? So it's a whole other period of your life. Yeah. So there we go. That is the Speedlines bag. And if you want to drop your letter or voicemail into it, then it is stctpodcast at gmail.com. Do send them in. We've cleared through a bit of our backlog now, so we're going to need some more. So, uh hope to talk to you there now before we go there's been some exciting news since we recorded this episode but that we wanted to drop in before we release it a year ago friend of the show viv that's at toaster girl one r in girl submitted an entry to a lego ideas contest where people were cging up dream lego sets and lego would pick a winner and actually produce it and viv's submission was a sonic mania set complete with a loop, giant robotic mech suit, a motorbug, an actual motorbug, um, monitors, springs, flickies, and a couple of the hard-boiled heavies boss egg robos from the game. In summer, it collected enough votes to go into the final run, and it didn't win, but also didn't lose, which is, as far as I know, unprecedented. They announced that they were deliberating or something, and we all wondered if this meant negotiating with Sega. Well, it turns out it did, and Viv's Sonic set is now going to go into production. Flipping heck, congrats to Viv and to anyone who fancies a Sonic Lego set. Keep your eyes out for that. Next issue! 
A strange approach to advertising next issue, I think. Three steps to heaven. <laughs> One. Sonic enters the mysterious Sandopolis zone. Two. Shinobi. More power to his elements. Three. Captain Plunder. Set to shiver your timbers. So the three steps to heaven are the three new stories that begin next issue. Yes. But it's sort of... <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I think what we have here, Chris, is someone who is doing the copy editing, has three points to get across, and just is racking their brains for what's the name of a film or song that has three in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it also has. Yeah, that's the thing. They got five things. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Plus, Sonic's World exits the Cybernix. So yeah, I guess that means this is the final chapter of the Cybernix story, and the the art we see here is of Short Fuse and Robotnik. I was going to say going at it, but that may inspire <laughs> in animations and songs. Oh, have you seen that? Sonic Listeners, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, One Chop has done an animated version of our little Sonic and Knuckles going at it song from the end of the Poster Mag's final special. Look that up. It's One Chop animation, Sonic and Knuckles going at it. It's on YouTube. It's on Twitter. You'll find it. It is... A merry delight. We've had uh, several little pieces of animation yeah. made by listeners of this pot, and it's like, I can't believe it. You know, we know. Have some, we have got some of the best <laughs> listeners, some of the best fans out there just doing this stuff for fun. It's tremendous. Just going at it. And uh, we've also got a Q-Zone special, Catch Part 2 of The Lion King. <laughs> really torturing that pun there. <laughs> SDC 47, another hail and hearty issue on sale Saturday the 4th of March 1995, 1.15. Hey. Oh, to be back in March 1995, and isn't it nice to just dip our little, our little toes in there every couple of weeks. If you're looking to join us in the pool, you can find the new episodes of this podcast anywhere podcasts are available, or you can download them directly from stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, that is at Sonic Podcast, or you can follow us individually. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeeling. And we're also on YouTube under those names as well, and Dave is on Twitch. You can support the podcast on Patreon if you go to patreon.com slash stctp, where you'll be able to get special bonus videos where we look at the Martin Adams uh, Sonic novels from the UK, and uh, Dave is also reading me his angsty 1990s teenage fan fiction. It's getting worse. <laughs> That's right, and our final Streets of Rage theme was made by Snick from Gunner, who you can find on Twitter at S-N-I-C-K underscore W-T, with help from John Tay at J-O-H-N-T-A-Y-J-I-N-F. Thank you for realising one of the stupidest, most targeted only at me jokes I've ever made on this show, and which I've been planning since series two, even though I knew I didn't have the means to do it. <laughs> I would have never been satisfied with this episode going out without that joke attached. Thank you very much. And we have an editor, Sam Gabriel, who you can find at samgabrielvo.com, and we have a theme tune, the opening theme synchronised by Sonic the Comic the Band, who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. That is them. This is we. We have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast. We will see you next, next time. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs>